Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spin Polish Presents Unappreciated Masterpieces. I am one of your hosts, Ryan Swinski. And I am Bartek. Hello, Bartek. How are you? Good. How are you? I am very well, as usual. Imagine if I was like, I am unwell. I am very miserable. <laughs> I'm dying on the inside, as well as the outside. We're all dying, Bartek. Life sucks, and we don't have a roof over our head at the moment. But thankfully, we're always spinning, and we both happen to be Polish while we do it. And <laughs> yes. that's why I call it Spit and Polish. And we present to you our weekly show, Unappreciated Masterpieces, the show in which we provide an audio commentary track, a feature-length one, for a film that seemingly doesn't deserve a commentary track. But we say, hey, 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 we've got a torch over here. We're shining a light in the shadows, finding a movie that's huddled in the corner, trying to stay away from the light because society put it in a box and threw that box into the middle of the ocean. We dive down with a submarine and a light bulb and we shine and a claw. it. And a claw. The claw. And, um... Oh, claw. Don't get me started. Um, and okay. you'll, you'll find out why. Okay. Um, uh, and we discuss a movie that people in society may say, hey, that's not worth discussing. And we say, hey, yes. it is. It's, it's a good premise and our voices are annoying as fuck. You mean delicious. Yes. So, Bartek... <laughs> What is the film? I'm I'm on the edge of the seat. The seat that you're sitting on. Not my seat, your seat. Oh, the edge of I'm my seat. I'm on the edge of your seat. Yeah, Ryan, about that, uh, you know, personal space is an issue that well, we have I'm on the metaphorically podcast. on the edge of your seat. Personal, metaphorical space is an issue. Spiritually. But do go on. What is the, the title of the movie? For those who can't read... We're jumping back to the 1990s this episode. Oh, we are? 1996, even. <gasps> we were born by then. Yeah, we were like three borns. We had given birth to three kids ourselves. Great. Yes, that can happen in three-year-olds. <gasps> the movie that we are doing in this episode is Telemaniac. What? Telemaniac. Are we watching a telemarketing movie? I don't know what that is. I mean, I'm Polish, but I don't speak Polish. I know oh. it's very shocking to believe that a, a person of Polish heritage growing up their whole entire life in rural Australia doesn't speak Polish. But uh, I know it's a, it's a twist well, you're getting that you there. didn't expect. You're but... getting there. I told you what arse is the other week. Yep. And nah. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, telemaniac. It's like telemaniac. My favorite thing about the Polish thing is you've told me many titles over the years of doing this, mm -hmm. and there are some that I have the vaguest memories of, and then I tell you what I thought they were in Polish, and you're like, I don't even know what that is. And I'm like, Bart, like, wasn't Big Fat Liar like something like Ubi Grubi Kwanzaa? And you're like, yeah, I don't know yeah. what that is. Duże Grubi Kwanzaa. See? Yeah. Very close. Yeah, they got some of the vowels in there, yeah. <laughs> I, I said Kwanzaa in there. <laughs> Ubi Grubi Kwanzaa. So we're watching telemarketing madman? Telemaniac. That's actually a really great title. Yeah, It's like um, Weird Al's movie UHF. The original title he wanted it to be was The Vidiot. Which is the title in Australia, right? I think. It's on I've my never, DVD. I've never owned the copy of UHF yeah. and from Australia because I could never find it. So I've had to import it from elsewhere. It's like how Airplane here is flying, flying high. high. I have both of those, yeah. Um, So we're watching 
Telemaniac? Telemaniac. Great movie. I love that movie. It's my favorite movie. 1996, Telemaniac, starring Danny DeVito. <laughs> and if you are not hey, from... it's me, Danny DeVito, the Telemaniac. And special guest Danny DeVito. And <laughs> Danny DeVito's here. <laughs> Did you bring any other people, Danny? It's me, Paul Giamatti. So he brought Billy Shaw. Yeah, it's just like, here we go. Wow. So... And is that is that is that Iago in the background there? Uh, Iago, like the Shakespearean villain, <laughs> the Shakespearean of villain. course. <laughs> Kenneth Branagh is Iago, is he? <laughs> I'm one of Shakespeare's greatest villains, but I don't actually have a motivation that's clear for why I do anything, and that's what makes me complex. <laughs> Mr. Gilbert Godfrey doesn't want to speak this episode. He just wants to be here. He's doing his own podcast <laughs> in the corner. <laughs> Very quiet. So what is Telemaniac? Telemaniac, if you're not Polish, the film is called The Cable Guy. The Cable Guy? Yes, not to be confused with Larry The... Now, that is something to really be concerned by because people did get this confused on the interwebs, but we'll get into that. Yeah, I've got a thing with that too. So, people at home listening, or on the train, or if you're a pet, you may not be people. You might be at home, though. You may be a ghost. Um, You should grab your copy of The Cable Guy. The Polish word for ghost is duch. <laughs> <laughs> Why? I don't know. Why is it ghost in English? Because it doesn't sound as stupid as <laughs> duch. Oh, look, it's a duch. I know. <laughs> it's like when you see those pictures of, of the doge dog thing, and it has oh, like the, the, Inu, yeah. it has like that funky Comic Sans text that says doof <laughs> or boof. That's a ghost. Yeah. He's haunted by a ghost. But get your copy of the film. I'm going to do a countdown from three. Going to go down to one and say play. You're going to press play. And we'll be lined up as we speak about the glorious film, The Cable Guy. So get ready because I'm going to start this in three, two, one, play. Now, Bartek. Yeah. Could you introduce the guest? We we kind of hinted that we had a guest. Yes. I don't want our guests to feel like we've waited a very long time to introduce them. <laughs> it's not at all like we have certain guests guests or a singular guest that gets really annoyed by how long it takes us to introduce them. I don't want you sitting here not introducing them and they're just like throwing up their guts with anger. We've never started a movie without introducing them, you know, prior. So you're gonna? Yes. uh, We had a guest lined up and... Lined up? Lined up, yes. We had him ready. He picked the film of the couple that I gave him. Oh, really? Yes, he did. Oh, he's to blame. Great. He narrowed it down to three. He picked this one. But unfortunately, last minute, literally an hour and a half before we were intending to start to record, he woke up and he said he was just not feeling well. He was he was vomiting. He had a headache. The cable guy will do that to you. Yes. <laughs> he, he said, quote, I thought Matthew Broderick was fun to watch on screen when he wasn't murdering people in real life. So we know he watched the film and he really wanted to talk well, about Owen Wilson. Did he watch it? Because I'm pretty sure that's Jonathan Taylor Thomas in this movie. And yeah. Not Matthew Broderick. Yeah. It's, We've it's, got Simba for sure, but not that Simba. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah. I would have noticed if Ferris Bueller was in this movie. Yeah. I did, notice. I did, however, notice the child of Tim Allen in the Home Improvement TV series was definitely in this movie. Tim Allen was good in Home Improvement show. Yes, uh, he also wanted to talk about Owen Wilson with us, but unfortunately he's sick, so maybe we'll get him on to one of the other two films that we narrowed down with him. Do they have Owen Wilson? Um, That's a big question you got to ask yourself. No. But do they have Jack Black? No. Well, what's the point? Now, Bartek, let's talk about our own history with the cable guy, or lack of history. Mm-hmm. I'll go first, though. Sure. I have seen this movie 
several times over the years. I do not remember what specific time was my first, but I have seen this over the years. And this, out of probably most of the ones we've done on the show, probably this is like, say there's a couple of others that I understand, but this is one I actually understand from the get-go, why it's an unappreciated masterpiece. Because for myself, I have grappled with this movie like I am in a Greco-Roman wrestling match with this movie over the years of whether or not I hate or like this movie. It's like a Mandela effect. Mm. I remember sometimes I'm like, oh, I love this movie. And then I watch it and I'm completely not on board with it. I'm just not vibing its tone or the performances or the story or what it's doing. And then the other times I'm also like, oh, man, The Cable Guy, I don't like that movie. That movie's terrible. And then I sit down and watch it. And I'm like, what What was wrong with me? This is, this is a great movie. Like, Jim Carrey's great and Matthew Broderick's delivering that dry, you know, that dry milk toast kind of performance that he does and and the whole you know parody or homaging and twisting and turning of the stalker genre mm. is really well and done so i myself have a real love hate relationship with this movie so i can understand why society has a love hate relationship with this movie because this movie does have a love-hate relationship with the world. Like, this isn't one that people... The society has clearly just gone, this movie's terrible. This has got a 6.1 on IMDb. Yeah. And that's kind of middle of the road. This was one of the ones that even Siskel and Ebert were divided on. One really liked it. One, I think... Obviously, Roger Ebert. Two out of four, I think he gave it. I'm Roger Ebert, and I suck. (laughs) Yeah, I think he had a quote where it was this, like... I want to like Jim Carrey. Yeah, movies should make you like Jim Carrey, and when they don't, it's a tactical mistake. And you're Mm. like... That's a really confusing thing because he didn't done Ace Ventura before this, right? I believe this is his third film after Ace Ventura and The Mask. Right. So is, he so is, he has a precedent. Isn't he I haven't watched the Ace Ventura movies in quite some time, but Same. isn't he an unlikable asshole in those movies? <laughs> like not on purpose, but just through sheer stupidity that he's kind of like a bit of a prick. Well, a Isn't lot of people a bit are annoyed. Of an egotist I think that? people are annoyed by him. Like, I think Tone Loke, who we've had on the show a long time ago, I think he was the one that like was the recipient of the talking ass gag. And uh, his landlord, right, doesn't like him either. The one that he calls Satan. Yeah, there was that. Yeah, it's the been one a while. who's also in Breaking Bad. There's many, many Breaking Bad people that turn up in Jim Carrey projects. I guess. <laughs> Including this one. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I've had a real love-hate relationship with this movie. And I've talked about this movie with Jim Carrey fans. And I've met some who just don't understand why this movie is looked upon as one of Jim Carrey's worsts during the rena- like during his height. This is mm. the height of Jim Carrey, the 90s, we would say, yeah, is the height. Yeah. Uh, and some who just absolutely despise it. So I've had this real battle with this movie over the years. So this one... Rewatching it last night, it was a it was really tough because my fiance was watching it for the first time and she was screaming her head off in pain because she absolutely detested every single frame of this movie. Mm. But I was and but that actually kind of motivated me, being like, you know what? No, no, look at this. This is working, and this, this, it kind of made me appreciate it more. Yeah. What about you, Bartek? History. Yep, so for the record, I picked this movie, and when you saw that I picked it, you said that's a good choice, because, and you've explained why it's a good choice. Yeah. Um, I, I've only seen this film once, a very long time ago oh, on TV. I didn't realise you had seen it. Yeah, it was a very long time ago, and it was one that just sticks in my head. It's like, I did see that once, and it was very interesting. 
And I remembered little bits of it. Like, I even have one little Mandela effect. Yeah. I remembered the fact that the guy on the helicopter at the very end of the film calls him Buddy and the cable guy latches onto that. But in my head, I was thinking that was a callback to this scene where he he jokes around with the, the, the installing the cable thing. In my head, I thought Matthew Broderick also called him Buddy and that's what started his obsession. Uh, but... but evidently that didn't happen. Ah. Yeah. So I, I remember little bits of this film, like scenes, maybe some lines, um, but I didn't remember it too well. And throughout the years since I've seen it, I did hear of the comedian Larry the Cable Guy. Hmm. And I kept thinking to myself, like, is that related to the movie in any way? Because it's been so long since I've seen it. And oh, eventually I learned no. And- well, it's like the chicken and the egg. Which came first? Was it the Cable Guy or Larry the Cable Guy? No one really knows. It's well, a the, philosophical the- debate. Yeah. <laughs> there was a trivia point about how... I think his manager, Larry the Cable Guy's manager, was calling Ben Stiller, who directed this film, and saying, like, what the hell are you doing calling this film The Cable Guy? Larry, that's his, that's his, that's his, you know, persona. It's going to ruin him. And, and I, I mean, evidently it did not, because the, chil- <laughs> the children all know Larry the Cable Guy. From Cars, yeah. From Cars, as Mater, the best Pixar character of them all. That's right. Get her done. That's right, I said it. Society would say, hey, Ryan, are you sure that the best character in all of Pixar isn't the evil AI from WALL-E? And I'm just saying, no, it's Maida. Get her done. <laughs> Get her done. Get her done. Um, <laughs> yes, and, and not too long ago, in fact, it was after we did an episode a couple of months ago, I was going home and I was listening to a podcast where... It was the official podcast. They were talking, you know, they, they have a lot of tangents there. One of them brought up that they'd recently rewatched The Cable Guy, and there is a line in this film that has aged incredibly well. The one where he's on the satellite dish talking predicting about... Predicting the future. Predicting the future and how accurate it is. So I thought to myself, like, oh, hey, that's an unappreciated masterpiece. We should do that on the show. And that's yeah. why... And that podcast is the reason why I thought to put it on the list. Well, I'm very glad because... Yeah, it's this is one of these weird ones where, one, I've seen Ben Stiller's directorial movies like Zoolander and mm-hmm. Tropic Thunder and stuff, and 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 uh, people out there like I imagine you've seen those movies too. Yes, Tropic Thunder is one that I've seen in full once, and then the, just the beginning half hour many times. Why? I don't know. I want to like. I want to like it. And I want to finish it a second time at some point. I'm very curious. People are weird about Tropic Thunder because mm. it, like, it was a movie that everyone loved, but now it's like a movie where people are weird about it because it's like Robert Downey Jr. is in blackface in that movie. I'm like, yeah, but that was the point. Like, mm. the point is, but whatever, that's its own discussion. Yeah. But And it's no Galaxy Quest, which does pretty much the exact same idea, but better, mm-hmm. which, you know, movie stars known for doing a certain thing or doing a thing, and they actually do the real-life version of that thing, and they're unaware that they're doing it, and, mm. oh my god, but Galaxy Quest has Tim Allen, and that makes it e- ten times better, because it's the only great performance from Tim Allen, other than Christmas with the Cranks, of course. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Shaggy a, Dog. And, and, of course, Woody. And of course, um, I mean Buzz. Sorry, Buzz. Buzz. Yeah. And of course, uh, Zoom. And of course, Wild Hogs. Wild Hogs. <laughs> you did hair gesture. Of we motorbikes. have bikes. We have a returning actor from Wild Hogs in this, Kyle Gass. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 From Tenacious D. Both of the Tenacious D boys are in this movie. Not in the same scenes though. <laughs> yes. If you listen to our episode on uh, Wild Hogs, which that was one of the ones you weren't in. 
I did not know who Carl Gass was. I'm like, look at this interesting guy. He's funny. <laughs> and and people are like, that's Tenacious D, Kyle Gass. <laughs> he was an elf. I haven't seen Elf in a very long time either. He's by the boardroom people in Elf, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> the one who's trying to persuade him not to call Peter Dinklage an elf. Right, right, right. <laughs> Um, now here's here's something. Uh, Jim Carrey, now mm-hmm. from today's point of view, is kind of a divisive figure. Yeah. Um, especially now, as we are recording this, this is a week or two after the Sonic the Hedgehog trailer has been released, and yes. that has opened up a can of worms in terms of the nightmare image that is Sonic the Hedgehog's original design. But also, a lot of people are pointing at Jim Carrey in that movie, being like, why is he doing this? Like, he stopped doing this kind of slapstick comedy after, like, uh, Me, Myself, and Irene. Like, like this is so old and hackneyed. Like, everyone's kind of pointing at it and going, like, Jim Carrey is above doing this silly stuff that we all love <laughs> Jim Carrey that, that for. That he became famous for, yeah. And and it's like I get that people want him to grow, but he's been doing that over the last decade and a half, and people have been like, "Man, I miss the funny Jim Carrey when Jim Carrey was doing all of this slapstick stuff." So now he's doing it again, and people are like, "This is so ben- fucking beneath him." Yeah, I mean, it's the foundation of what we like him for, but it's so beneath. And yeah, it's I like, guess, I guess, what do you want? I guess they're too latched onto the whole Sonic thing that they're taking again, it out on wrong places. Again, I have I've been saying this many episodes in a row about Detective Pikachu not casting Danny DeVito as Detective Pikachu and how that's a wrong casting. How did they not cast Danny DeVito as Robotnik and just give him long legs? Yeah, you told me stilts would have been funny. Stilts would have been great. It would have... Give him CG legs. (laughs) Give him Sonic's (laughs) legs. I don't care, because Danny DeVito looks like Robotnik. Give him the mustache. He's already got the bald head. He just needs the height. You don't need Jim Carrey with, like, the old-fashioned Perot mustache (laughs) with gloves on. There was one... Yeah, there was one shot in the trailer where you saw, like, the big mustache. Yeah, at the end, and you're like, eh, Danny DeVito would be better. Danny DeVito looks like an egg. He literally has, he's literally a meme because of the egg stuff. And it's always sunny in Philadelphia. It was like, may I offer you an egg in this trying time? And yeah. he's dressed up as a chauffeur. Jim, Jim Carrey was also doing like kind of eccentric Dr. Evil kind of performance Oh, as like, well. like, like, yeah, Mike Myers would have been great as Robotnik actually too. Oh, but if, if, you want, if you want to go for that, like that, like in the first lines he has in the trailer, he's basically doing like the zip it thing. Yeah. Now, back to this film. With Jim Carrey, he's very divisive now. Yeah. Because, you know, he's moved away from comedy, and when he has done comedy more recently or more comedic-based films, he's kind of had some flack because of his press junket stuff, like when he did Kick-Ass 2. Yeah, that was the first one I really noticed. And he's, you know, an anti-vaxxer, and mm. uh, oh, he thinks it gives you autism, and uh, all that kind of crap. Jim Carrey's kind of also an existentialist now. Like, mm, that, that press yes. interview I showed you where he's just at this fashion show and he's just like, we're, we're all nothing. We're just molecules dancing around. It's, it's this just, woman just the, looks mortified. The films that he did do not exist <laughs> They mean nothing. And then and she's like, do you have any follow-ups? And he just goes, Hah! and walks away. <laughs> and you're like, what is going on with Jim Carrey? But Jim Carrey here now in this period of time in the mid-90s, everyone loved him. He was yeah. the biggest star. This was the divisive film for him. Like Roger Ebert said, you want to like Jim Carrey. And in this movie says, no, you don't. 
this which is yeah, interesting because I was both thought, ways kind of yeah. Because when I think of Jim Carrey, I think he does unlikable characters most of the time. Like like I think of Ace Ventura. He's a bit of a again. It's been a while since I've seen it, but I remember him being an egotist in that movie. Like he's very like he thinks he's the best. Yeah. And and liar liar. He's an asshole and liar liar. You know that's the whole point. He goes yeah. through a, a but journey. But he's, he's not being an asshole to the audience. I think is what they're grasping at. He's being an asshole to the other characters. Yeah, but is he being an asshole to the audience in this movie? He's being just an asshole in general. I think it's just weird because I think this movie tonally is matching his character, while the other movies like Liar Liar, he's that character is the world's biggest asshole. But it's lit all nicely in like a comedy movie, and the music is like. Bum, 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 and he wants bum. to be a good dad, so you kind of on his side. Does he want to be a good dad? I've only seen it the one time. He so. gets pushed into <laughs> wanting to be a good dad. Why I brought up the claw before is because that's a joke that he doesn't lie a liar. That's like his connection with his son. He's like, oh no, the oh, claw. Yeah. Okay. I know. I've definitely seen something like that. Didn't it was lie liar. And then the the boyfriend of the wife is trying to replicate that and it's just not the same. He doesn't get it right. He's like, oh no, it is the claw. Ah. It's like you're not comedic, physical comedian Jim Carrey. Can you imagine <laughs> that you're dating this woman and her former husband was physical comedian <laughs> Jim Carrey at the height of his physical comedy? And you've always thought of yourself as a fairly funny guy. Yeah, yeah, it's you like, thought oh, of shit. yourself as a fairly funny guy. You're like, ah, you know, I, I, I know how to do a pratfall. But then Jim Carrey comes along and he's like, the pen is blue! And you're like, no! It is, but I can't do that. Um, Now... Bartek, mm-hmm. what did you think about the cable guy yourself revisiting this? Because you had faint memories, but did you remember the dark tone of this movie? Oh, absolutely, I, yeah. You did remember that. Yeah, I remembered that it was a thing of, like, he he genuinely wants to be friends with the main character, Steve, played by Matthew Bro. Oops. Jonathan, Jonathan Taylor, Taylor Thomas. Thomas. JTT. JTT. Next president, Jonathan Taylor Thomas. <laughs> Um, calling yeah, it now. <laughs> he wanted to be he genuinely wanted to be friends with him but he was just like a creepy stalker and I I think I read some stuff online of people were unsure if if they were overall meant to like him or not because before he goes like full on well he's full on always but before the, he's always full on before like the 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 changing point which was like you know right after the hooker thing, oh the, you mean when he ruins his life where he ruins his life and also at the very end their last exchange it's like are we meant to like him are we not meant to like him I remember yeah. there was that was a big conten- contention point of contention are you supposed to like him mm. Yeah, I can understand why. This movie has... um, And he has a backstory to back up why he is the way he is. Is it even real, though? Like, that's the problem. Mm. Like, like, we don't even know his name. Is anything about him real? Yeah. Like, that's the point. I That's the point. Like, you're supposed to question. Well, aren't some of the flashbacks we see, like, when he's not interacting with another person? Yeah, but he's also crazy. Yeah. Um, but I feel, I feel like if he's not deceiving another person, I could kind of mm, buy into it being yeah. real. Um, there are scenes in this, though, that... Although this movie isn't considered the greatest Jim Carrey movie overall oh, in yeah, his no. catalogue, mm-hmm. it does have iconic scenes that people know but may not necessarily know is from this movie. The one I think of is when Jim Carrey is um, pretending to be the lawyer and he's speaking 
through the glass yeah. and he unbuttons his shirt and presses his nipple up against it. That's a very iconic Jim Carrey visual thing that you think of in terms of his catalogue of work. Like when you just think of all the physical comedy stuff, like him falling out of a rhinoceros, rhinoceros, uh, rhinoceros's vagina. Yep. The asshole was the thing that he spoke with in the first film. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and all of that stuff. Hmm. Uh, and you know the 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 mask with all of that stuff, all these physical gags and and all and that the catchphrases that come with them, yeah, 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 and all these big scenes. Even in these lesser known movies, he still has very iconic things. Like me, myself, and Irene has the very iconic scene in which the baby's crying, and then he cries at the baby. He's like. Wah! can you tune this out how about you tune this out he's just like screaming at the baby and the baby starts to cry then he cries over it that's a very iconic scene in a movie that people just go that's a lame Jim Carrey comedy I have to just say his skill even in the most mundane or lesser of his films he always has an iconic moment within them like like Bruce Almighty, you know, you have the parting of the soup and like the monkey out of the butthole and like all these over the top things. Jim Carrey knows through physical performance how to make you remember uh, specific things from each of his movies, even if the movies aren't as well regarded as he is. Yeah. And this, you know, even has that with with the with the pressing the nipple up against the the glass scene. Like that's one I remember being like, "Oh yeah," but I don't instantly go, "Oh, the cable guy." That's that movie. I remembered the the whole uh what's the restaurant called again? The the Medieval Times. The medieval Times. I remembered yeah. that was a whole thing. They got on they got on. They got Gordon. on. They got onto the stage. Hey, and it's Gordy. <laughs> he got on the stage and he acted. My thing that I remember too is when he's speaking to Matthew Broderick on the phone and a spider just casually yeah. crawls across his face and there's just no reference. I to didn't it. remember like, he never, that, but he when doesn't I saw even the react to it. Now, visiting this again for myself, I did somewhat forget the dark character study nature of this movie i remembered more of the goofy jim carrey stuff um i remembered more like this kind of thing with the basketball and and you know him and his obsession with television and trying to be his friend and like the karaoke scene but i genuinely did forget about how he ruins this guy's life yeah i forgot in a very mean and very true to life way that one could ruin someone's life like you could genuinely see a psycho who attaches himself to someone ruining someone's life in the way that he ruins the his life blackmail making his family think he's crazy and the, the yeah. steal getting him arrested for stealing things yeah and, and like it's just so and trivia points were pointing out how the the recurring back round plot of the the twin brother that killed his brother mm-hmm. there's hints that jim carrey has framed him could it. be yeah, yeah yeah that's a like, theory that people have because jim carrey's voice is the one on the yeah. answering machine and yeah yeah if, if it, and that's the thing that's not pointed out in the film you just have to notice it, it happened like a minute or two b- before where we are in the film right now if you're watching along and this is something, this is something very relevant to this movie is at that period of time in which High-profile murder cases were televised and the world was engulfed in them with stuff like OJ, obviously, and Ted Bundy. And the Menendez brothers was a big one. The Menendez brothers, obviously. And 
and, you know, a bunch of these things. And that's kind of really weird today as we record this. We are living in the world in which Ted Bundy is popular again. Like, we just have that new Zac Efron movie and the Ted Bundy confession tapes and people and, like, some of the most viewed YouTube videos right now are the Ted Bundy court trial videos. And it's just like, we're coming back around again. Mm, he's back in fashion. He's back in fashion, but also the, what this movie's critiquing on as well, this whole, with that subplot of how the world is focused in on basically what is the modern day version of the Colosseum uh, games, you know, where yeah, like yeah. we are obsessed with watching these murderers and weirdos. The, the fascinating immoral story. Exactly, and we're back at that again, and, and, and that's kind of interesting to look at with a movie that's over 20 years old. How, yeah, yeah, it's 23 now, I think. And how this movie predicts a lot of stuff, as mentioned, the uh, the fact that, you know, we're all connected now the way that Jim Carrey yeah. predicts by... Convergence of technology, online gaming, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and I think that this movie has a lot of interesting stuff going on. Of course, this movie is kind of parodying and satirizing the stalker genre, which was very mm. popular at this time, too. Yeah, and it's also giving a... Sort of a parody, but yeah, a twist on Jim Carrey's whole thing of, you know, as you were saying, playing assholes and eccentric characters. What if mm. they're villainous? Exactly. Or if they've got, like, some trauma that makes them do very antisocial things. Exactly right. And I think it's interesting that, you know, we don't have these types of comedies now where you have a star like Jim Carrey, hmm. who... You know, I can agree with Rodrigo on a level where he was likable. Like, you liked him, even if he was playing somewhat arseholeish characters or over-the-top characters or, or, or whatever. Like, you know, like, I know people who really despise Jim Carrey overall because they find him very aggravating. He's too energetic. Um, but I find it interesting that we don't have comedy movies like this as much where you get a big-profile, likable, comedic star and put them in a psycho-crazy role like this... What you get more so, and again, think about this comment. I was going to bring up, you have something like Step Brothers. Yeah. But that was 10 years ago. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, 12 years ago, I think. I think it was 2007. Oh, really? I think so. I saw it in Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. I thought it was 2008, 2009, but a Maybe. while ago, right? Yeah. That's still like over a decade, about a decade ago. Yeah. Today, we have more so ones where it's like... You know, we still have Will Ferrell and all that being man-child assholes, but those movies want you to like them mm. more so than Step Brothers. My my thing, I've always, I've I've never liked Step Brothers, but I do appreciate on a minor of minor levels that Step Brothers doesn't try to overreach as much in terms of being like you should like these guys. Yeah, feel sorry for them like Will Ferrell's movies now do with like stuff like Daddy's Home, and it's just like oh, you should feel a bit sad for Will Ferrell's plight. And like, I don't care about Will Ferrell's part. Or Get Hard. Where it's like, oh, poor Will Ferrell. He doesn't want to get raped in prison. I'm like, fuck him. He's a criminal. He's a white-collar criminal. I don't relate to him. I don't want him to die. Yeah. Eat the rich. And, and <laughs> just like Jim Carrey, yeah, you can definitely see some people would like that. But you don't get comedic stars of Jim Carrey's caliber today doing boundary-pushing weirdo roles like this. Yeah. And I think that's kind of a bummer. Because I like it when they do that, when comedic stars do these weird kind of roles. You get more of those underground ones or those ones that do the weird shit, like Tim and Eric would do something like this. Yeah, it's, it's a very, like, 
it's an emotionally captivating thing on a meta level because it asks you to know who these people are. Like, definitely when I first saw this, I knew who Jim Carrey was. So seeing him do a more, like, villainous, dark thing, it's like, ooh, what's going on here? And I guess a similar thing happened there with unfortunate event, series of unfortunate events where he mm. played the antagonist. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we got Leslie Mann back. Yes. We just had her recently for The our Other last, Woman. Our last guestless episode, yes. And I've commented in that episode that I wasn't as familiar with her. I was more familiar with her than you were. Yeah. Uh, and I'd seen her, and this is a Judd Apatow-produced and written movie. There's a whole backstory about his whole writing credit not being allowed, but he and did I, write this. And I think the pre-production of this film was when they met, according to the trivia. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So Leslie Mann's in this, and she's just a really minor passive character. Like, she's a driving force for Matthew Broderick, but she's not a, a strong, mm. developed character. And I've got to say, out of you know, people complain about lots of aspects of this movie's problems, tonal aspects, Jim Carrey's performance, Matthew Broderick's performance, you know, all that kind of stuff, the direction. My only real complaint is I kind of wish that the whole story between uh, Brod uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas yes. and Leslie Mann was better done. I kind of wish I understood better why their relationship didn't work because mm. all I'm given is, and this is a very of its time. Yeah, like he proposed. And, and she rejected it because... Or she was awkward about it. Yeah, yeah she asked, asked him to move out. So she rejected it. But my thing is, I kind of wish we got to know more about her and their relationship for us to understand why it was broken. And I think the movie's trying to tell you it's because Matthew Broderick uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas Simba is kind of too overbearing. Mm. Uh, he's too kind of needy. And they kind of bring up this whole thing of like he says what he thinks she wants to hear or something like that. Yeah, yeah. and I feel like they should have shown that in his character more for then the Jim Carrey dynamic to work better as well. That's my big problem because it's also like th this is a problem of this era of comedy and movies in general with women. I don't like her. Mm. I think she, from, like this is because of the movie, not because of the actress or or even the character necessarily. She's dating another guy. They've just broken up, like all this kind of stuff, and she's kind of stringing him along in terms of this date yeah. and this. The, and it makes trope, me, yeah. as an audience member, just go, "Why Matthew Broderick trying to chase after her? She's just a terrible person." But then the movie doesn't follow through on her being the something that he shouldn't be after because yeah. in the end they do get together. Yeah, usually, usually when you play the the trope or cliche of you know the the partners that are temporarily in quotes separating, seeing other people, usually that's a bigger thing. But here mm. it kind of comes out of nowhere, and nothing really comes of it except that it's something else for the cable guy to latch onto. And I kind of wish. And this movie's only an hour and a half long. Yeah. I feel like if they spent a bit more time, like, added more time uh, to flesh her character out, then the dynamic that she has with Jim Carrey can even be more interesting. Because I actually found that stuff very interesting, her dynamic with Jim Carrey. Yeah. And how she kind of buys into and all that, and how she doesn't find him that creepy. and Because like, it's neat. Because the only person in the movie that we know, like, gets on with Jim Carrey is Matthew Broderick. Yeah. The rest of these people that he brings in as friends are probably hired. We don't know who they are. Mm. The Jack Black instantly doesn't like him, and no one else gets to interact with him. So it's just these three people, Jack Black, Ma uh, Jonathan Taylor Thomas, and Leslie Mann. And Leslie Mann's maybe the, the, pr maybe the prison guard as well. 
Oh yeah, but Leslie Mann's the one that actually likes him for who he is, seemingly. Yeah. Like he's putting because on a she, show for yeah. her, but and she, like, she also has reason to believe he's an alright guy. Yeah, because she doesn't hate Matthew Broderick; she can trust his yeah, words. Yeah, exactly. That she heard. So I kind of wish that we got more of a development, and I think a part of that is just this is the times that was this was made in, like mm. the female characters. And I'm not saying it's even better now, but I'm just saying like the greatest now. But like I feel like we could have had more of an understanding of her relationship with Matthew Broderick, so I didn't feel like I hated her. Or just lean in and make it that he doesn't get with her in the end and that she's something that he realises that he shouldn't have been chasing. And I'm not saying you need another female character for him to obtain in that way because we just did on a mystery box the fourth tenor. Yeah. And the fourth tenor has a very similar kind of thing where the lead character's goal is to get with this particular girl, but then by the end he realises that's not the girl he should be with. I'm not saying that he needs to get with another girl or any girl. I'm just saying, like, I don't know, just work out... You could have a lesson. It's like, hey, sometimes people aren't meant to be together, but that doesn't mean you have to hate each other. Like, that could have been a message. Yeah, exactly. And I feel like, also, mm. they were afraid of giving Leslie Mann, maybe because she was up and coming. Uh, I don't know where this was in her filmography, but, like, she's a funny lady. Mm. Uh, giving her more comedic things yeah. to do, even if she's playing it naive and straight. Well, to, to jump back to something I said in The Other Woman, I mentioned that I looked at her filmography and that she was in Big Daddy. Oh. Um, how she looks in this film, she looks much more like how she did in Big Daddy. Which, yeah, in, which in, was like a year or two later, right? It, yeah, it was within a couple of years. And yeah, because in, in The Other Woman, she looks very different. Like if I didn't know they were the same person... If I didn't look it up, I don't think. Now, I was very shocked to learn that this guy here at the Medieval Times was Andy Dick. Mm. I'm very familiar with Andy Dick. Uh, I've watched news radio. I've even watched some of his kind of stand-up comedy special stuff. And I didn't recognize him because Andy Dick has a very particular voice. Mm. But when he rips off the goatee and the or the, the wig or whatever, then I was like, oh, it's Andy Dick, because then he also dropped this voice he's doing. Andy Dick has a very particular flamboyant type of voice that you just instantly go, yeah, that's Andy Dick. I was actually genuinely surprised by his performance in this movie and how he didn't draw attention to himself as being, I am Andy Dick. You know, we've got Janine Garofalo here back with us. We haven't seen her since uh, Adventures of Rocky Bullwinkle. Okay. Remember that, her? That was a long time ago. Let's see. Um, she was like the Hollywood executive. She had like glasses and the suit. There was a Hollywood thing in that film, wasn't there? Yeah, yeah. At the very beginning of the movie when mm. it's... Oh, the green lighting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. There was so a that's her. Okay. Um, She's very familiar with Ben Stiller. Of uh, She was in his first film, Reality Bites, a movie that I do not like. Okay. <laughs> so... You're, just to go back to Ben Stiller's filmography stuff, you're familiar with his stuff. You've seen Zoolander, Tropic Thunder, and Secret Life of Walter Mitty. Mm -hmm. And Zoolander 2. And Zoolander 2. Are you, I guess with Secret Life of Walter Mitty, you are familiar with the fact that he does like to have some more dramatic tonal stuff in his comedic-based movies. Mm -hmm. So when you saw this, it wasn't truly a head spin. Because it seems like it's a head spin for some people out there. Like, the, the, this movie has they a They think of him as just funny guy? He, ben Stiller, his funny McFunny guy. Especially during this time, when he's doing Ben Stiller show and all these comedy shows. But his first film, Reality Bites, is like this really sad drama. Like, it's got comedic elements, I guess. But it's more dramatic and kind of sad and pathetic. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that because I just don't like it. I mean, that's kind of the vibe of the thing. It's very nihilistic. 
Um, very 90s. Yeah. Well, I, I think of Ben Stiller as like he can play an eccentric character like Derek Zoolander, but then he can also play a bit more of an everyman normal guy. Yeah, that's yeah. true. So, like like uh, Meet the Parents. Yep. So the, the fact that he directed it is like, oh, okay. Yeah. It's Ben Stiller. That's nice. So, but like we meant, you mentioned this scene. Mm-hmm. What did you think about this? This is, I guess, the comedic set piece of the movie. Yeah, the big yeah. one. I and as I did say earlier, it was something I remembered. They do go to medieval times, and they do get on stage, and he goes a bit, you know, he's into it. Um, I didn't remember all the specifics of it, like the fact that it seems to be real weapons, and they really <laughs> get impacted by things. Yeah. Um. So it did go a bit further than I remembered. Uh. I I enjoyed it. It was it was funny. Yeah. I loved when they started jousting. Yeah. My big thing with jousting is, and I really want someone to explain this to me, mm-hmm. when, who, where, why did that become a thing? Like, at what point in, in the human evolution did we go jousting? That's a thing we should do. And also, it's a sport. Like, you know, like, that's a mm. thing we should make into a sport. Yeah, was it, was it a, what is it, a, was it a fight to the death kind of thing? Or was I it imagine. Just a, I imagine. Yeah, because it kind of comes across more as like a competition of sorts. Well, yeah, it's a competition, like, but it's but like in a in a sportsman way, like you're yeah, not, not to the death. I'm pretty sure that's the main gist of a knight's tale with Heath Ledger. I'm pretty sure he's mm. into medieval jousting. Uh, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but uh, yeah, I want to know where we started with like how did that happen? Were just two guys riding on horse holding sticks and they just accidentally did it and they went there's a there's a thing to be made here yeah, and what and what are some of the big techniques that you can do yeah like do you outstretch your hand to lose like some grip but get reach yeah what's or... the techniques to do you thrust be, a bit do to be the better jouster out of the competition of jousting people or is it luck based like what is it I like, guess it's a thing of form. I imagine the horse plays into it heavily. Like you gotta have a fast the whole, horse. The horse, or, ha- force. the horse has to behave. The you gotta have a, a sturdy horse, maybe because if you don't, you get have to be not off. allergic to horses. Oh no! He cut his shirt open just like uh, Star Trek, and then we proceed to reference Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And did you know that they fought to the death in Star Trek? I I've watched this episode, so yes. Oh, you've seen Star Trek. Okay. I've seen Star Trek, believe it or not. Okay. Ben Stiller has also seen Star Trek. He pretty much likes to reference Star Trek in everything in, he does. In the trivia, that was the the point that was under director trademark. Apparently, he puts it in everything. Even in Tropic Thunder. Yeah? Yeah. It's been a while since you've seen it, but there's a since, bit yeah. where he's like stuck in the jungle at night and he kills a little baby panda and wears it. And while he's stuck, he's made a tent and he's just watching Star Trek on his phone. Oh, okay. That's because, a pretty direct reference. Yeah, no, he just likes to incorporate it or, or do it. Uh, do it. Uh, that's a <laughs> Starsky and Hutch reference. Do uh, it. Do it. Do it. <laughs> do it. Or, or, as people know, a famous GIF in the GIF search conversation mode on Facebook and Twitter. Like, that's apparently a very popular one of, uh, of Ben Stiller saying, do it. Do it. <laughs> As a popular reaction, but rarely do people realize that's from an unappreciated masterpiece, Sasuke yeah, and Hutch. That's true. Which has its own fan fiction. It's just like <laughs> it's just like, and I think we could talk about this from a little bit in relation to this film, uh, Vampire's Kiss. Oh yes. Yeah, that that also has a darker tone for someone that a lot of people assume is just a comedic actor. A lot of well, time, it's weird. It? Nicolas Cage isn't considered a comedic actor. Nicolas Cage is considered. A serious actor who's so over the top that it's funny. Yeah. See, 
when he does actual comedy, it's not funny. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I don't think people consider him an actual comedic actor the way that we do Jim Carrey or Steve Martin. Mm. But the fact that he's more like Tommy Wiseau. Yeah. <laughs> but Oscar winning. Um, but also, that's a film that a lot of people... Have preconceptions. Preconceptions of, and they get surprised by its darker tone. Well, or, mm. well, actually, do they get surprised by it, or are they just like blindly looking for the funny stuff? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I've met Jim Carrey fans who despise this movie, like I've mentioned, and I asked them, like, what about it? And they just say, it's Jim Carrey's too over the top. And I'm like, but what's your reference point? Because Jim Carrey's always over the top, and that's kind of what we all love about Jim Carrey. And then when he does something like Truman Show or Sun, you know, Eternal Sunshine of Spotless Mind or whatever, and he's toned down, then we really appreciate that because it's like, oh, this is what it's like when it's toned down. Mm. Well, he does. He, nah, well, that makes sense. I was going to bring up the the driving scene in that where he's trying to scare his wife. Yeah, but, but he has a reason for that. He's trying to get her to break. And, and that's not Truman. him throughout the whole movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. With this, let's be honest, it's the it's the lisp, right? Is that what people have a problem with, with the speech impediment he's doing? That's a good point, maybe. Because it's really like... If a... it's something you find annoying, well, this character is all, all lisp, pretty much. The one time where he breaks it was a flub, so it's yeah, only in one, a few seconds. And for gag, yeah. yeah. <laughs> his singing, though. I like his singing. Do you think it's actually him singing? Well, Ryan, in the credits, when it lists the song, it says performed by Jim Carrey. Oh, so, well, I'll take it then. Yeah. I'll take it. I'll, yeah, I, I thought it was very entertaining, and it gives you an idea of how over-energetic and manic he is. Now, over Telemaniac, the, in now, fact. Over the years, Bartek, of doing unappreciated masterpieces, we have had, to my surprise, you know, I'm the one who usually chooses these movies, mm-hmm. but even to my surprise, I was, I have, I'm still shocked to this day, how many movies that are unappreciated masterpieces that fe- feature Matthew Broderick? Because <laughs> when we started this, there were some people that I went, we'll be seeing this person and that person and this director and that kind of movie a lot. He was not on the list of that, those in my brain. And I'm genuinely surprised how much he is has appeared in these. And then it makes you question everything. Like, what are his considered good movies? And are there only two? Yeah, which it, is War Games and Ferris Bueller. Does he have any others? Am I missing Godzilla? Ryan, that's a lot of fish. <laughs> that's a lot of fish. Yeah, like even uh, not the Brian Cranston Godzilla. <laughs> <laughs> no, he was missing in that. Um, yeah, to, to 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 take the veil off, we have the whole gag of you know mixing him up with JTT and Matthew Broderick. In the world of that gag, we've technically only had him on the show once. Yeah, and JTT is the real one that we've only had once. So yeah. And it's weird yeah. <laughs> because we have Lion King, but no one ever thinks of Matthew Broderick as particularly great or even bad. It's yeah. just he's there. No one would consider that his I... great film. Like, it's a great film he happens to be in. It, it took a long time. But people think of Ferris Bueller and War Games, where he plays this young, cocky, charismatic mm. asshole. But then he never plays those types of characters again, yeah. ever. I always think of him more of an everyman. I think, and it's sad... I just look at him and I just get this sense of pity. Mm. Like, I just look at him and go, because he just looks so like, you think of Ferris Bueller, right? You got to think of Ferris Bueller when you look at him. And Ferris Bueller is like 
full of energy and he's cocky and he's somewhat, you know, charming and sexy Every, in his own way. And everyone he's just likes him. Verve. You can't top him. He's full world, of verve. Yeah. And then you watch Matthew Broderick in every other movie outside of that in War Games and he just looks like a ghost. How was he in Inspector Gadget? I haven't seen that. <laughs> I know you're laughing, but that's a genuine question. How is he? Is he like crazy in that or...? Is he still pathetic? <laughs> like, I don't know. He's just pathetic. Okay. He doesn't... Like, here's the thing. Inspector Gadget's a terrible thing to make into a movie anyway. Mm. But at least in the cartoon, you had the voice of Don Adams, who instantly adds character to what is a non-character. Because Inspector Gadget, the whole thing with Inspector Gadget is... He's not actually the hero, it's Penny. Yeah, it's his niece, right? But the problem in the movie is he is the focus because he's Inspector Gadget and Penny's not so much and it's kind of awkward and weird. And Matthew Broderick doesn't do anything particularly like physical comedic-wise or voice-wise. He doesn't really add any anything to it. And I'm just think, what happened to it, man? Does he really only have, like, two or three good movies in his catalogue, but we all love him because he did Ferris Bueller? Is it that John Hughes just knew how to direct actors? But you'd think that even with that, you know, Hollywood being the machine that it is that catches onto trends, they'd look at, oh, Matthew Broderick was really good in this, let's try to latch onto that? Like, why didn't that happen? Is it because he just pudged out? Like, you know, he's not pudgy, but, like, you know, when he's first built, he's young and slim, and you can play him for sexy. But you look at him here, and you just go, that guy would be working at the postal office. Did he... When we did um The Stepford Wives, was he a bit more pudgy in that? Yeah, well, that's because that's a decade later from this. Yeah. He's just, a, like, an average dude, that's what I'm saying. Like, he looks like he would work at the post office. Yeah. So you Every can't man. cast yeah. him as necessarily your, your Ferris Bueller type for very long you know like it's just weird Mm. it's just weird because i i respect him but i want to know what's gone wrong because is it that we just i respect him just because i really like ferris bueller and he's great in ferris bueller and that's about it and he's good in in war games but i've Mm. seen that only once i'll be honest ferris bueller i only saw the film like last year i'd seen the beginning part of it like Mm. when i was in high school but um so I have always had Matthew Broderick in my head more as, like, a plain guy. And when I saw Ferris Bueller, I was like, oh, okay, this is probably what people really love him for. The only thing I really hear people talk about is the rhetoric of the, the, the manslaughter he committed. Um, you mean me bringing it up all the time? Well, no, but even when I read Oliver's quote earlier... Uh, sorry, our guest who didn't come on, it was Oliver. Um, <laughs> he made the joke of, like, oh, yeah, I liked him when he's not murdering people. Like oh, That and he's married to Sarah Jessica Parker. Oh, that too, yeah. Um, but... When people people bring that up a lot and like in a kind of joking way, was was he mean spirited about it? Like, no, I just think it coincides a lot, and also it's just the fact that um, he's a Hollywood star, so he mm. got away with it. Okay, I see. He didn't get convicted properly. He got to bail out of it all. He was drunk driving or doing oh, something wrong. Okay, I didn't know he was drunk. Uh, yeah. And he's 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 Ferris Bueller. He can do it. Yeah, you know. And it was uh, it was in Ireland, right? Yeah, in Ireland. Yeah. So it's just that kind of thing where right. it rubs you up the wrong way as just a normal person who's just like, well, he can get away with that. He can get away with drunk driving and murdering people, like killing people. I should say, not murdering. And yeah, then he can yeah. be in movies, and no one gives a shit. 
because it's Matthew Broderick, you know. Yeah, I, I slept through most of Manchester by the Sea because I literally watched it <laughs> shortly after we did an episode and I was very tired. But one of the things I remember is him at a dinner table. It's like, oh, Matthew Broderick's in this. <sighs> was he in Manchester by the Sea? I think he was. Are you kidding me? He was in something that I was sleeping through. <laughs> I didn't know that. I think it was Manchester oh, by the Sea. Oh, now i got to look this up. I haven't seen Manchester by the Sea, but if Matthew Broderick's I, well, in I, it as, I what, as what, the dad? I technically haven't either. I think it was like a stepdad or something. I can't remember. Oh, let's not forget he was in The Producers. <laughs> the remake? Yeah. Okay, I've only seen the original. With Uma Thurman. Uh, what year did that come out? 2000, either 16 or 17. Oh, dude, I've got some... Wasn't it the same year as um, La La Land? La La Land? Which yeah, one? he is in Manchester, I see. Fuck okay, me. he was. Okay. He's also in Trainwreck as Matthew Broderick. Yeah. No, not to piss on Matthew Broderick's entire career. I've liked him when he's been on TV shows. When he plays minor roles, like, I like him in 30 Rock. And in 30 Rock, he is pathetic. He's so fucking pathetic. His character is, like, a ludicrous name where he's called, like, Burger or something or other. Because <laughs> he works in politics and one of his bosses saw him eat, like, something. And they named him after that. And he's like, it was just one time. Uh, or something like that. Or, like, Sub McNary or something weird. But, um, yeah, I just wanted to ask, because this is probably the last time we're going to have Matthew Broderick on an unappreciated masterpiece before we wrap up. Mm-hmm. And I just, you know, we've been joking over the years about him being Jonathan Taylor Thomas, but I feel like this is the time to uh, to kind of vent this out there because I think all of society is thinking it, right? Like, I want him to be cool. I want him to do stuff. I want him to be present more. Like, I want him to step up to what we all think of him as, which is that awesome character of Ferris Bueller and the one in War Games and all these characters with life and energy because Matthew Broderick just is like he just looks like he doesn't want to be an actor a lot of the time he looks like I'm here and I'm sad like he looks sad remember when we did um uh deck the halls and the trivia point about that was apparently like he was just walking around muttering to himself and just being like this is it my career's over and he looked (laughs) like a ghost and shit yeah that's so fucking sad but then you have someone like Jim Carrey here who's just, like, having the time of his life. Even nowadays, Jim Carrey, as weird as he is, he looks like he's having a grand old time in life. And when he does something, he looks like he wants to be there. Like, you know, even though I made fun of the Sonic the Hedgehog thing, to be honest, in real terms, he looks like the only entertaining thing of that whole entire movie. For, for sure, genuine yeah. entertainment, not the... Personally, I want them to keep the original design of Sonic the Hedgehog because i it's the only thing I'd want to see the movie for because I would love to see a nearly two-hour-long movie of that fucking nightmare creature. That's basically... Sonic the Manhog. That's basically Jim Sterling's stance. Like, yeah, I they're want, redesigning it, but I kind of want to I want them it. to keep the nails. <laughs> <laughs> but in genuine terms, Jim Carrey's still got this, but whatever happened to Matthew Broderick, man? Maybe they need a reunion. Yeah, man. Get them back together. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. They should um, have them in The Mask 3. <laughs> well, uh, apparently Jim Carrey doesn't want to do sequels. He was really unhappy with Ace Ventura 2 just because it was a sequel. Oh, I liked Ace Ventura 2. Yeah, I remember. I To myself, I always think about, and you must be the Monopoly guy. <laughs> Thanks for the free parking. <laughs> um, uh, nobody wants to play with me. That's another one I love. <laughs> so, Bartek... What was it like for you, the dramatic reveal that uh, Jim Carrey, the cable guy, hired a prostitute for Matthew Broderick? Yeah, that that took me for a twist, because she she did look like she was genuinely into him. 
Mm. So so when it was just a prostitute, that did kind of like break and make me question everything. Well, this one-time character. My fiance was watching the movie and she was writhing around in pain, and she's like, "It's so obviously a prostitute." Just uh, that's all she kept screaming about. I guess I don't and know then, women. And then she sat down, and then when they revealed the scene, she was just like, she screamed out, "I was joking." <laughs> oh, okay, it was a joke. So maybe. But then jokes tell truth. That's Jim Carrey. Tell truth. Whenever I make a snar- a snarky, sarcastic joke about something, and then it turns out to be real, I'm like, I knew, but I joke to make it feel like it's not as real as it should be, mm. because it's just like, of course, of course, I'm right through jokes. Even I'm right because you know I'm a narcissist. I'm right all the time. Yeah. As I'm right about this movie being unappreciated. Favorite scene, Bartek. What was yours? Fuck me. Um, Fuck you. No, thank you. Okay, well, you know, at least you said thank you. No, please. <laughs> <laughs> no, please. Um, yeah, I, I definitely remember the Medieval Times thing, but re-watching it, I, I did like his singing. I know it wasn't too much of a comedic beat, but I just, it was just really uh, It was pretty comedic. He was flicking the throat. Oh. Okay, yeah, that was funny. That was funny. Um, yeah, he just had so much energy there and it said so much about his character. Or, well, or at least it showed off his mental space because he was just so yeah. into it. Is it awkward that in this scene here, he looks like Dr. Robotnik more than he does in the Sonic the movie that he's in coming later this you know, year? You know who else? He also looks like Freddie Mercury. He looks way more like Freddie Mercury than he needs to. <laughs> Um, I would have watched Jim Carrey's Freddie Mercury movie. That would have been great. Now, he does look really good, yeah. My favourite scene for me is a toss-up between this scene here, because it's got Owen Wilson, who's a returning star for us as well. Yeah. I wonder if this was Oliver's as well, because it's the one scene he brought up in our t- uh, talk. It's yeah. weird that he has such a receded hairline in this movie, because he's combed his hair really far back. Yeah. And, and, this was and we're before... not used to him with his hair combed back. This was before he was a bit, bit bigger, right? Ah, this was at the height. This was when he was starting out. Like, he was... Starting well, out, not yeah. starting out. Like, he was doing stuff like The Haunting. Mm. And, like, he was kind of, like, considered the romantic leading guy in things more than the comedy guy. Right. Like, yeah, this was the period of time where he, first big movies were coming his way and then rolling on. Like, I think he was a year or two away from doing away his first Wes Anderson movie. And, like, yeah, this is... On the path. Up and coming. Up and coming. Hence he's small in this. But he tends to be pretty small in Ben Stiller-related projects outside of Zoolander. Like, mm. let's not forget he's in Meet the Parents. Yep, if he's not a main character, he's, he's in it for just a little... Yeah, exactly. Ben Stiller and him have a good rapport, even when they're not on screen together. Like, yeah. But I enjoyed this scene. I like Jim Carrey bribing the guy and like all the wacky physical humour, and I loved when he shoved the, hair, uh, the hand dryer in his mouth, and I'm like, <laughs> God, that would kill you. Uh, and I really like the scene of the nightmare sequence where Matthew Broderick's looking through the key, like looking through the, the, the peephole, peephole yeah. and he's got like the Jim Carrey's got the green fluorescent eyes and he's pretending to walk away and he slams through the door and like the, it reminded me of Monkey Bone. Yeah. Um, which is good because Bob Odenkirk from Monkey Bone is in this movie as as uh, brother, as, I think as, it is. as the brother, as the speech in uh, like the speech oh, yeah, therapist yeah, brother. Yeah, that's right, I didn't connect that. And um, Bob Odenkirk is great in everything, and he's great in this. He, he only has like a handful of lines, but he's great. 
I do love one of the trivia points was that George Siegel is like one of the first build actors in this movie and he doesn't appear until like the last half hour of the movie as his dad. Mm. I love George Siegel. I grew up with Just Shoot Me and he's the boss and Just Shoot Me and uh, I just love that guy and he's still around today. Like he's still around in like uh, um, the Goldbergs show, the one where it's like basically like uh, Wonder Years where it's just like, oh, this is a story about my childhood in the 80s. And he plays the grandfather, and he looks exactly like how he does in this movie and in Just Shoot Me. Like, he's barely aged today, George Siegel. And that's, like, incredible, because he's not a young guy in this. So, incredible. I just want to point out George Siegel's amazing little performance. Like, I would have said schlong! <laughs> was one of my favorite quotes. Now, Bartek, I was going to ask you what your favorite character was in the movie. And I already know your favorite character. And if you say it wasn't this person, I'm going to have to strongly disagree with you. Okay. But it was clearly elderly man singing at karaoke. That was clearly your favorite character. If you say yeah. otherwise, I'm going to throw you out of the podcast. Well, I've already I've already expressed that the, the singing in this film was one of my favorite parts. And definitely when he first appeared, it appeared when he first appeared and he was singing, I, I did quite enjoy that. It was a very nice touch. He reminds me, Jim Carrey just bending down like that. He reminds me of something like he should have played uh, Robbie Rotten's cousin or something. Like the guy from, uh, what's that? Lazy Town? Lazy Town. Didn't he look like that just then when he did the physical bending now he's got the black hair and the mustache he looks like he should be in lazy town just he looks like he should be robbie rotten's like brother that would that would work i've never seen it but i know the character well you know death. of the famous song yes i've heard there's a 10 hour version your brother listened to it <laughs> what's the song called again it's um we are number one we are number one yeah. I remember when I first heard of We Are Number One, I didn't know of the song. Mm. I heard just the one clip that was like five seconds long and someone had edited it into like a weird thing of, look at this net that I just found. And when then, I say go, get ready to throw. And yeah. someone edited this in a weird way where it was backwards and forwards and flashbacks and it was, it was very odd. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> so it was like at that point where the meme had evolved into its own sets of mini memes and I count that one. I'm like, what is this? Look at this net that I just found. <laughs> he would be great in Lazy Town. <laughs> Jim Carrey, he should be the mayor of Lazy Town. That would actually be a great celebrity appearance. Mm. I think Lazy Town's over now. I mean, Robbie Rotten's dead, but like, uh, he should have appeared as the mayor of Lazy Town. That would be great. It's like how Adam West is the mayor of Quahog in Family Guy. Yes, yes, that's true. And he's himself. Yeah, Mayor Adam <laughs> West. Yeah. Uh, so. My favorite character. <laughs> I'm not giving you any chances to give you an actual favorite character in the movie. Outside of our main three characters, uh, it's a hard one to pick because you know they don't really focus on many. You have Jack Black there, who I feel is is not utilized, but at this time he wasn't really that well known. I don't know. Yeah. I imagine Tenacious D were together at this point, but like he was still up and coming, especially in movies. But I thoroughly enjoyed the performance of George Siegel. I thought he was great as the dad. I enjoyed him talking about the mum. Like, oh, your mum's going to be... All this stuff. Like, even when you hear him on the voice message. Mm. I enjoyed George Siegel as the dad. And it's one of those things where I could actually understand him as the dad. Like, you know, sometimes you watch a movie and you have, like, the parent characters. And you just go, ah, I don't believe them as... Like, I, I would... they're playing a character... 
caricature of being a parent, but you don't actually buy them as that person's on, on parent. That, on that note, I I blo- I, blo- uh, blo- I believe the mum character as a mum playing that that sexual yeah, password yeah. game, like this, like excited. She doesn't. It's, she seems like the kind of character that wouldn't normally do that, and she's really excited to get the opportunity. I I really bought that. Tit. <laughs> Tit. <laughs> now, question: Would you play that game with your family? Sure. Uh, usually when we have, like, family get-togethers, we play Celebrity Heads, so this is kind of like a sort of variation, more on the Shrade side. Now, when you played Celebrity Heads last... A few weeks ago, yeah, Easter. Oh, really? Yeah. What celebrity were you? We did a few rounds. I had Arnold Schwarzenegger at one point. Did you guess him? Yes, but my my grandmother whispered to my little cousin the answer, <laughs> and when she whispered to me, she's like, you are not. And I'm like, I don't know what that is. Am I am I related to like the biscuits or something? Um, I had Lola Rabbit at one point, which took me forever to get. Oh yeah. yeah. Um, at one point I got Will Ferrell, and a question that I asked, I the specific wording of it was, <laughs> was it Ryan enjoys this actor, and you're like they're like no no no, no. You! and you're like I oh, asked, it's Will Ferrell. I, one of the questions I asked was, is he extremely tall? And they told me no because but he isn't extremely tall. He is. They told me no. He's not extreme. He's like six foot something like 193 centimeters and they're like no you said extremely tall he's not and literally after i asked i'm like okay i was thinking will ferrell but it's not him and then they strung me along for the whole game basically <laughs> telling me like assholes. isn't he like six foot four or something like isn't he the, the, he's the, taller than me the point that i was grasping on like when is he ever next to someone he doesn't over you know, yeah, stand over. Yeah, exactly. Also, and one what's the que- their definition of extremely tall? Like, do they think you had seven foot? I asked, like, what? Were you thinking, like, giantism? And they're like, yes. <laughs> yeah, am I Lurch from the Adam family? <laughs> at one point, at one point, and I guess this is more of a subjective thing, I asked the question, is he known to be in any sort of comedic duo? And they're like, give us an example. I'm like, oh, you know, like Owen Wilson and Ben Stiller. In my head, I would have thought that him John C. and Riley. John C. Riley would have been an acceptable. That is yes. because they've been in like, and they told me no three or four movies yeah, together. But they told me no. But then they're wrong. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you this. I've only played Celebrity Heads once in okay. my life. Yeah. I I was Ozzy the Ostrich from Hey Hey It's Saturday. Okay. And I'm surprised I guessed that because that's not a show we grew up with. Um, it's like a talent. I, I know you know of, of it's a weird show I know of it for the Harry Connick Jr. thing I feel so and we played it when I had my graduation for university which was in Geelong and we got a house there in Geelong because my parents come from, down from New South Wales and they wanted to splurge and they got a house and the house came just with, to be clear like Geelong, air, Geelong's far away from everything it's a it's a pain they got uh, the, the 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 Airbnb or the place or whatever had mm. like games and one of them was Celebrity Heads and they had already pre-filled things. Okay. And um, we all just picked ours at random and my mum was Sophia Loren uh, and my father, we all had people. My father was Pokemon. Just the concept of Pokemon? <laughs> just Pokemon. Okay. Just Pokemon. And we even said before we started, we went, oh, dad, your one's probably not even one that you would be able to guess. Like, he knows what it is, but you're thinking of a person when you're playing Celebrity Heads, right? You're thinking of a celebrity, yeah. Yeah, you're thinking of an individual. Yeah. 
And we went, maybe we should swap yours. And my dad was arrogant. He's like, no, no, I'll be able to guess it. <laughs> and we're like, I, no, no, we should swap. And then he got really annoyed when we finished up. And he's like, oh, well, I was supposed to guess that. And we're like, we told you you could swap, but you didn't want to swap. Yeah. <laughs> and I just, I think about that all, I think about that when I think celebrity heads. is like, guess you are Pokemon, your concept, your whole franchise. Yeah. Not even like, you can't even say TV show. It's movie, games, card games. Yeah, it's, it's not... I guess Shrades would be a more, or Shiraz, however you pronounce it, would be a more, you know, cl- close link there because you can do properties. You don't have to do characters. Exactly. But when you say celebrity heads, you go... You have to pick a celebrity, yeah. Or a well-known character. P- Pictionary. Yeah. It's like, what is this? It's, uh, it's, uh, what was on The Simpsons? It's like, it's Hope. Or <laughs> whatever. <laughs> like when Kurt's playing and he just draws, like, <laughs> this fucking squiggle. Um, yeah, it's something like, I can't remember what oh, it was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That was, that was, dignity. It's dignity. <laughs> <laughs> and then they're like, well, you show me how you draw dignity. And then she doesn't, we don't get to see it. And everyone's like, oh, that's it. Yeah, yeah, I remember perfect. The, the channel Game Grumps used to have a spin-off show where they played board games. And they played Pictionary at one point. And there was, they were in two teams. Uh, one of them had something really simple. And the other one was stuck with over the river and through the woods. <laughs> and he was like, I have no idea how to draw this. <laughs> Here's the thing I'm going to ask, just randomly, about Game Grumps. Mm-hmm. They randomly had like a three hour long video with Jamie Lee Curtis playing games really? with them. And it's just like, how the fuck did they get Jamie Lee Curtis? I remember it was a big deal when they, they got... They got Weird Al. It was yeah. a big deal. Uh, they were talking about getting him on for years, I think. I remember there was a big deal when they got Rob Schneider on. Like, when they started getting big guests, that was long after I stopped watching them. But I do see them pop up in my feed every now and then. It's like, oh, new celebrities. I did listen to a bit of the, watch a bit of the Jamie Lee one, and she was great. Like, mm. they were playing Mario Kart or something, and they were like, and Jamie, you get to play Peach. And she's just like, you fuckers. I have heard like, I'm not a Peach. <laughs> I've heard that they have fun with the celebrities they get on, so that's nice. Weird Al was fun. Hmm. Now, back to the feature film that we are covering. Yes, in this is this. a podcast about unappreciated masterpieces. Not unappreciated YouTubes that are very appreciated. Jamie Lee Curtis has been in, you know, unappreciated masterpieces. With so. Tim Allen. Yes. Christmas film. Christmas. Cranks were there too. <laughs> um, Was there anything that you noted in your watching of this movie that you really wanted to bring up? Oh, yeah, by the way, David Cross is in this scene. He has hair. Yeah, you said he's next to... Yeah, he's right there. That's him. Oh, wow. He he yeah. literally says nothing and does nothing. <laughs> I always picture him with a bit longer hair, like in um, year one. Oh, a wig? Yeah. <laughs> or when, what about in Pootie Tang? Well, when... he was in disguise there too, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah, when he was doing his <laughs> Tobias voice from uh, Arrested Development. I remember in that I thought it was Weird Al. And like, <laughs> well, no, wait, it's David Cross. So... Anything you noted down in your viewing experience that you really want to bring up? Uh, not that I wanted to bring it up, but Charles Napier appears here, and I was like, oh, yes, he's one of those actors that appears as a minor role in everything. Oh, I mean, he was in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, that was one of the things I... that was. I think that was one of the first things I saw, which was earlier this decade, where I'm like, he appears in a lot of things, doesn't he? And Austin Powers. Yeah, he was in two of them, I believe. He's the general. Yeah. Make sure to feed my fish. <laughs> oh, that was him. Yes, that's right. Not too much. Not too much. <laughs> yeah, with uh, Clint Howard on the other end. Yeah, yeah. I know him from The Critic as a voice. Okay. He's in The the, the Critic. with the, That's the show where Jay Sherman is from. You know, if you've yep. watched The Simpsons, John Lovitz. He plays his boss, who's basically the uh, Rupert Murdoch, Ted Turner type. 
Where's the TV tycoon guy? He eventually runs for president in the show as well. Uh, and he has, like, the mustache, and his name is Duke Phillips, which is the best fucking name for a character who's a, who's a media, ty- uh, uh, like, media mogul. And he's fucking great in that show. Like, like he's just perfection. Like, like there's literally where he's running for president. They ask him a question, and he goes, ah, oh, that's a complex question. One that you might say is trying to entrap me, but you know what I say? Look into my eye. Look into my evil, evil eye. And the guy is just like hypnotizes. His eyes go hypnotic, and he's like hypnotizes. Like I shall do your bidding, evil master. And he's like ignore the question you just asked. And he's like ignored. And he's just like, and everyone's like, yay! And they're throwing money at him. Like he's great. Uh, here's and the nipple scene. Here is the famous nipple scene. I do love that Jim Carrey's got like everyone is connected to him in some way, but yet we don't know his name. Yeah. Did you think that we were going to learn his name? I thought he would say it at the end, but then I wondered, you know, is there really any way to make it poignant? Yeah, like, if he just said, my name is, like, Harold... Harold Miller? Yeah. And you're like, of course. Oh, cool, now we know the answer. No, no, the twist would have been, my name is Jim... Jim Carrey. (laughs) And then then Matthew Broderick goes... (sighs) That would have been great. <laughs> like, My name that. is Jim Carrey. This is just a film. We're acting. Now, this scene, scene is very great. Because is Jim Carrey doing all the stuff you like about him? Like, the faces, the silly voices, the physical, over-the-top manner. Like, look at him. He's just... Everything's over-the-top, and it's just so great. And Matthew Broderick plays it perfectly, but then you got the other guy on the phone that's next to him. Matthew Broderick really seals the deal. His reactions and the wink he gives... See, this is great. <laughs> I'd like to see. I'd like to see who he's talking to. Yeah, yeah. It's like, he's, what are you doing, man? He's talking to some lawyer as well. <laughs> I love this. Oh, Billy. <laughs> um, this film has a lot of trivia. One of which was the original choice for the cable guy was Chris Farley. That's right. Yes, but he couldn't do it due to scheduling, scheduling con- yeah. conflicts. He wasn't dead. Scheduling conflicts. Yeah, and as a minor point, but no other specifics, they also put down Adam Sandler. Could you imagine Adam Sandler in this? Yeah, I guess. It's me, Adam <laughs> Sandler. I won't get off my yacht. Oh, this was before the yacht era, wasn't it? Oh, this it? was Big Daddy era, where yeah. he was like, yep, I'm moral man now. I, th- I love morals. I think, I think his character's last name in Big Daddy was very similar to Matthew Broderick's character's last name. Taylor Thomas. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, th- I think uh, Steve here is Colfax, but, uh, and in Big Daddy, Adam Sandler was Kofax. It's like one letter off. No, I could see Adam Sandler doing this. He's played pent-up aggressive characters in other films like Punch Drunk Love. And Anger Management. And but... Anger Management. <laughs> Which had John C. Riley in it. It did, yes. And uh, and uh, did you know that he's not part of a famous comedic duo that people would think of? Y- you mean your family? <laughs> I mean, fuck, that would have been difficult. I would have been annoyed. Uh, like, I would have literally just went. They were Holmes and Watson. Just this, like, <laughs> over the last couple of months. Yeah. Was your brother playing it? Yes. What an asshole. He should have been there to defend you in that regard. Like, he's a... I could understand that maybe your older relatives who maybe aren't properly in touch with, like, that kind of thing. But your they, brother's... They knew Will Ferrell's height, so... But yeah. your brother should have been like, no, no, he is about a comedic duo. Like My brother's not too into cinema, though, so I don't know if he would have. But maybe if he was more aware... 
like, the, I, uh... like, hold on. The thing of me saying, like, okay, well, it can't be Will Ferrell should have been an indicator that, like, oh, I think he's extremely tall. Yeah, ex- exactly. Um, they should have, like, you think he... They could have done this technique of, like, oh, you think that's tall? Now, having said all the things I said before, this is probably my favourite scene of the movie. The ingratiating himself yeah. within the family, the way he's dressed, how he's trying to look like something out of My Three Sons, which is what he's named. It's a, it's yeah, it's it's a it's a much bigger. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so just weird reaction that he just had there. He puts his hand <laughs> over his mouth. It was so weird and out of place that it. It works. feels very like old school kind of thing, like shocked, like <gasps> oh, there's Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, smiling. It, it's almost like a oh, I said something wrong kind of reaction rather yeah. than a, I'm shocked. That is yeah. true. Yeah, it, it's kind of like a bigger version of the thing in um, not Drillbit. Yeah, Drillbit Taylor. Um, where where the, the bully gets along with the parents of the guy he's bullying, and they're like, yeah, yeah, we yeah. should have you over for dinner. Thank you. And he's like, give me yeah, the backstory. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're really into him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I like this scene a lot because it shows the manipulative nature of the cable guy. It does feel like a very, like, grown-up family kind of thing. Like, everyone's an adult. We're, we're, we're past this whole immaturity thing. We can be a bit immature. We don't have to be mature. It's fun. Vagina. 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 What's that in Polish? I've never learned what it is in Polish. Why? Phone up your mum right now and ask her. She's overseas right now. That's not an excuse. That's true. You should phone her up. It's like two in the morning over there. And she's like, Baltek, what is wrong? And you're like, mama, vagina. <laughs> she's in She's in Japan. I know how it is. And I think I know. You know what it is in Japanese. I think I do. I think it's, but like, not a di- in I think your, it's like a dirty version of But the not word. in your native tongue of Polish? Yeah, of Pol- I, know how, I know what it is in English, believe it or not. Do you? You yes. said Vegeta before. <laughs> yes. Puss Y. I believe that's how it's pronounced. It is Puss and Boots. Why? <laughs> <laughs> You're asking me why? No, well, that's just how it is. Antonio Banderas knows why. <laughs> now, Matthew Broderick is looking very uncomfortable during this sequence, as one would be if... I mean, if we were playing this game with your family and it was me being Jim Carrey, you would be like Matthew Broderick right now. And you're like, oh, God... Ryan, inappropriate. Well, I'll be like, no. I would, I would bring Save up. Save Oliver. I would bring up the, 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 you know, the grown-up family kind of thing there. But my, with the game that we were playing, we did have two children with us, so no. we didn't quite have that thing. We had to also like give them easier things. And what were the children's celebrity heads? Oh, like cartoon characters, or Cinderella princesses, things like you that. You should have given them someone easier I, than that. I, I you should have been like one... Sophia Loren. <laughs> I think they had Shrek at one point. Ah, Shrek. Like Teen Titans Go, so I think Cyborg, Starfire, stuff like that. Cyborg, the best character. Teen Titans Go to the movies. Now, Bartek, if you... Plugged a film. <laughs> I just say it randomly like that. I was going <laughs> to say, if you made this game for your family, what would be some of the first dirty words that you would write down? To put into the bundle of dirty words. What's the game called again? Like sex passwords or something? Yeah, something like that. Dirty passwords. Yeah, so it has it has to be a word that you'd like wouldn't want to say around children. Um, one that I 
there was um there was that Rowan Atkinson live sketch where he's the principal. Yeah. And I remember the first time I watched that, I didn't know what a vulva was, but I really liked the way he said it. Vulva. So yeah, like vulva. And I remember I once said that around my dad, and he's like, "Do you know what that is? You should look it up." And then I looked it up. And I'm like, "Oh, I didn't." I know. love that your father. How old are you? Uh, young teen, I'd say. Old enough to know what a vulva is. Okay. I was going to say, if you were like eight years old and your dad was like, look that up, son, on the internet. But also I find it very odd Yeah, your relationship with your father is him saying, you're a young teenage boy. You're saying vulva. Look that up on the internet, which is basically look up pornography on the internet. Well, no, it level. was more like look up what the word is. Yeah, yeah but when you type in vulva... In Google, you're not just going to have innocent times. Well, what if you look up vulva definition? Of course you did. Well, you're still going to get things. Yeah. It's the internet. But like usually... Jim the... Carrey's licking ears right now. Yeah, but now. usually the first result is like Oxford or dictionary.com or something. So that would have been... I don't know. Or maybe like... Type s- it in now. Pornhub. It's like, vulva oh, definition. Well, you see, Dad, I was going to go to Google, but Pornhub's open. So I'll just type it in there. Maybe they'll have the answer. Apparently there's this guy on Pornhub who has an account in which he makes wholesome content where there's no pornography. It's like him <laughs> being like... Here's me cuddling uh, you after you've ejaculated. Or I was like, oh, have you ever had a rough day? I'm here to listen. That's and nice. the guy's real name is something pornographic. Like, it's like Richard Deepler or something weird <laughs> like that or something weird. I can't remember. He seemed more pornographic than that. And apparently when you reach like a certain amount of subscribers or whatever on Pornhub, you get sent a, a varsity jacket. With your name on it. Okay. But he doesn't have near that amount, but Pornhub sent him one anyway because they like him. He seems like a nice guy. And then his next video is like, are you feeling cold? Here, let me put my varsity <laughs> Pornhub jacket on you. Or he has ones where it's like, the advertising on the porn website, like he knows specifically what ones he's above. And he's just like, do you think you really need a pill to help your erection? I don't think so. And it's just like him <laughs> smiling in the thumbnail. Yeah, you know, like, I'm not into porn, but I think I'd watch this guy. He seems like a fun guy. <laughs> 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 David Spade. I mean, da- not David Spade. Uh, David Cross, Cross reacting there. Like, ooh. Um, David Spade should have been in this movie, though. Yeah. And he was I w- mentioned in the trivia at one point, but it was for something else. I really would have liked to have seen um, what Chris Farley could have offered to this, because this would have been a, a breakout role for Chris Farley, because Chris Farley was only really got to do two major leading roles, which is in Black Sheep and Tommy Boy. Hmm. Like, the rest of them are supporting roles, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I haven't seen either of those two of films, so I just think... Really? Was... So you haven't even seen Chris Farley at his best? No. Cinematically, I mean, like, uh, you know, you've seen him in Big Daddy. Uh, well, the Billy Madison's the one that Billy I Billy Madison, of. right. Sorry. He's a bus driver. He's a bus driver, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's in other ones, I'm sure. Yeah, but that's the one. He he would be in, like, the Saturday Night Live He's going to be works, Shrek. Right? Yeah, he was. You said that. Oh, the, you, I mean, like, you the one that told me that. He was, and then he died. Mm. You said that, like, there exists recordings? There is, there is a audio around, of it. I've never gotten around to listening to this. And he would have done a great job, but it's kind of weird because we live in a world where Shrek is played as a Scottish character by Mike Myers, mm-hmm. and we have an understanding, but his Shrek would have worked just as fine. Like, it would have worked just as well because Chris Farley had great, a great voice. You know, he had that aggressive voice. I'm, I'm Matt Foley. 
I live in a van down by the river. <laughs> like he's just got that weird vocal inflection. I would have really liked to have seen him in this movie on a level, just so that he could have had more before he left us. Like he only really has supporting roles, and those two roles with David Spade, and there's a comedic duo, you know, like. Mm. Um, yeah, it's a bummer. But uh, what did you think about the reveal that all of his aliases are characters from TV shows? And did you realize that? Or did you not realize that Chip wasn't his real name? I mean, I could have guessed that. The, the He was very obviously referencing TV culture throughout the entire film, which, you know, gives this idea of like, oh, it's... I guess, giving a message about our obsession with TV. It had that really funny gag with Carl Gass where the TV doesn't work. He picks up a book and it just reminded me of that Simpsons episode where, like, wasn't it like the TV stopped working and they all went outside and realised yeah, how yeah. great it was? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I think that was actually probably my biggest laugh. Oh, like yeah? The film, yeah, now that I think of it. The music that plays. <laughs> oh, it reminds me also at the end of the Truman Show when everything's all over and people just move on. yeah. <laughs> like you know like oh, whatever moving on like that's kind of it like TV died and he's just like eh, alright moving on <laughs> to a book and he's like oh yeah. uh, sorry what was the question again um, oh yes the twist yeah yeah I, I feel like yeah, even, even if it's not the hugest sticking point of this film like criticising TV obsessed culture I did feel it and I did understand it because you know, I do not watch TV anymore, but I remember I used to, yeah, just be a kind of a couch potato growing up. Like, oh yeah, let's put on the TV, watch whatever's on. What did you watch? Because whenever was, I ask mainly... you things, you are like, I, I did not watch that. Yeah, no, it was mainly just like cable channels. Like, it used to be cartoons. I think sometimes I'd put on, what was it called, Fox 8 and whatever was there. By that right. point, though, I was kind of delving What away. was one of your favourite shows growing up to watch? Other than Saved by the Bell, damn it. Um, I know it's tough. You can just say Becca. It's a great show. No, I haven't seen that. Frasier, great show. No, but I've heard good things about that one. Ah, Frasier. Um, <laughs> I know. I put you on the spot. Yeah, what did if I? If like? you were the cable guy, what character from your favorite show would you name yourself as? Other than Screech. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be too obvious, right? My name is Screech. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I know I've stumped you. You're like, TV, I watched it. I was couch potato, but nothing's coming no, to mind. No, I'm just thinking of cartoons, and it's like, well, what's a, what's a live-action show that I really liked? Uh, Amanda Bynes. Uh, the Amanda Show. The Amanda Show. <laughs> Hi, I'm The Amanda Show. You liked, uh, Keen... Yeah, you like... Didn't you like Zack and Cody, or... I haven't watched Zack and Cody. I did like Keenan and Kel, but I only caught it... Caught it... Caught... I caught it. I'm gaudy. <laughs> You're really becoming John Travolta's gaudy this episode. I, I keep putting on a Boston accent. In this well, episode. welcome to the world. <laughs> um, hey, it's me, Mark Wahlberg. Got him. Because he's a Bostonite. I guess Fresh Prince of Bel-Air would be mine. Ah, uh, that's yeah. the freshest of princes. Now, this is a scene where Jim Carrey has a spider casually crawl across his face and yeah, doesn't react. Yeah. And it's there because it's weird. Yeah, and he's an event. He is an event. I didn't realize that until you just said it right now. I kind of forgotten because you're yeah. distracted by a spider on his face. Yeah, it it makes me think of like what would what would our friend Reese McKenzie, who's a very big arachnophobe, think of that? Oh, I thought you were gonna say what would our friend Reese McKenzie do if he was stuck in an event 
Well, if there was a spider, we know he'd freak and out. And it would crawl across his face. He Would he freak out? Yeah, it, it wasn't immediately obvious to me that he was in a vent as well. And I think just seeing him jump out of the ceiling and also the trivia pointing out that in the novelization of this film, which exists apparently, <laughs> it mentions that that happens in the vent. Yeah, can you imagine reading the novelization? You should have read it before we we did this. Yeah, well, I, I, to be honest... You I, should have bought the book from... All respectable bookstores. To be honest, most of the research I did for this film was this morning, shortly before I left. So I I didn't really have time to read the novelization. Um, yeah, I would have watched this film like twelve hours beforehand, so maybe I would have had time if I started researching then. Now but, yeah. we haven't had a movie on this show set its climactic scene on a dish before. No, not a satellite dish for anyone not watching. No, I meant like a dish of food. Mm. Mm. No, a satellite dish. Um, I think it's a great climactic place to set a scene. Like you know, mm. it's just visually interesting, especially yeah. how they've done it here with the rain. Is the first time and... the first time I s- it appears in the film. Having seen this film a long time ago, I was like, oh, the climax is set here, isn't it? And yeah, so that was another thing I remember. We haven't seen a movie like this since The Dish, the Australian movie about <laughs> a satellite dish that helped. I liked, um, this might sound a bit sexual, but I like how wet Matthew Broderick gets in this sequence. Oh, Bart. It's like he keeps falling into the puddle. It was very sexual. (laughs) I love you got Leslie Mann here, who you could be like, I like how wet she is in this sequence, but you're like, Matthew Broderick's the choice I will go with. Well, like I said, it wasn't a sexual thing. Oh, it's very sexual, though. Maybe Your raging erection says otherwise. Put a celebrity head on that. Well, no, it's raging because it's angry. It should be Matthew Broderick. Shut up, monster. You've only got one eye. <laughs> Just you conversing with it. <laughs> I want to know how Jim Carrey tied her up and put her there. Probably with his hands. With his big hands. Do you think that if Jim Carrey played Sonic the Hedgehog, it would make more sense than him playing Robotnik? Maybe. I mean, Sonic the Hedgehog's not really a super cartoony thing. He's kind of got, like, the whole attitude thing going on. Jim Carrey's got attitude? Yeah, but he's got more of a cartoon. What are you talking about? Sonic the Hedgehog's a fucking cartoony character? Yeah, well, he's been in cartoons, but, like, his main thing is, like, that he's kind of cool and snarky and stuff. Jim Carrey can be cool. I I guess, you know what? The Jaleel White version, the first cartoon that he did of... That one was How come they didn't get him again? Just get Jaleel White again to do to do. They it. got him in the 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 unofficial live action <laughs> short film that had a bunch of internet. Oh, did they in paint it. him blue and make him run? Well, he was a CGI character that was voiced. Oh, he by... was CGI in that too. They didn't yeah. put him in a furry suit. No, no, that was CGI. Did he look good in that one? Or did he look like a freaky monster, like in the new one? I can't remember, but he looked a lot more like the the main design. I personally think that they should keep it and just add a John Carpenter Halloween score underneath all of Sonic instead of Gangster's... No, no, Gangster's Paradise (laughs) is actually a great song. Because is it saying that, like, Sonic lives in a Gangster's Paradise? Well, one of the things I latched onto when I watched that trailer was Sonic says the line, I have to save your planet. So is he an alien in this universe? No, I think he's from a video game. 
he's a video game character come I to life? I don't know. I have to see it. Because the whole thing about Sonic is like, it's a it's a weird thing that these anthropomorphic little animal people exist in a world of humans. Like Sonic's apparently friends with like the president of America and stuff like that. You know, that. I love I love if James Mar- James Marsden, who's the human in that movie, he's like in a scene where he has to like fight people and he just like punches a guy with like a boxing move and Sonic's like, "Whoa, you're a real good fighter!" And he goes, "Thanks." My friends call me Knuckles. And then I'm, he's Knuckles. I'm like Sonic, I don't chuckle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I just I want to flex my muscles. I would love it if he said he was Knuckles. Um, just bagging on that Sonic movie is just so much fun. It's a gangster's paradise. When we do the new show, we'll try to maybe at one point talk about it. Review it? You want to review we haven't it? E- we haven't even We should decided. see it in the cinema. Maybe we should. And then review it afterwards. And, we're like, and it'll be the first film we see in the cinema Sonic, together. Sonic, Sonic! <laughs> <laughs> what, you don't want to see um, Detective Pikachu? I've never brought up Detective Pikachu. But it's just basically the same idea. I've, I've heard it's good. Uh, that's the thing. That's how you make a cartoony character live action and not make it creepy. I mean, some of them look creepy. Mr. Mime Mr. Mime creepy. is the one That's supposed about. to be that. He's not a main character. Can I just, with Sonic, just to end this. Mm-hmm. The thing I hated about his design the most, and it's such a nitpick, is the color of his eyes are blue. Well, they're green in, like, the games and the other things. Or, I like, thought... other images... I thought it was bright green because it makes his eyes eyes more distinct from the rest of his body. In my head, I seem to remember it just being like the beady eyes, but the shape of like the one eye was the big thing. Oh yeah, yeah. Everyone cares about the shape of the eye, but sometimes in other iterations when he does have like an iris, it's green because visually distinct from everything's fucking blue and white on him. And orange would be too extreme. Yeah. An orange would look weird and evil. Uh, (laughs) weird and evil. Um, but that's enough about that. Oh, look, there's the staple stapler that he apparently fatally injures Jack Black in, yeah, in an unfilmed the, the trivia, scene or yeah, the deleted trivia, scene. All the trivia seems to bring up is... Um, Things that didn't happen in the movie or in the novelization, it did happen. Yeah, I, I should have specified all of the various places that this film has trivia on on the internet bring up that a, a publication of some sort, I think it was like the Washington Times or something like that, got a bunch of unused footage and it just listed all the things that was in what in this footage that isn't in the final film and apparently the trailer oh yeah yeah has a lot of you know extra scenes in it and one of them was yeah he 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 hit jack black with a staple gun fatally i think it was said yeah, yeah, yeah. uh and there was like he he stitched the shape of a tv onto matthew broderick's ass or something <laughs> it's like, i would have loved bizarre. to have seen that scene yeah. Um, do you think... Uh, uh, this is a thing that's divisive about the movie, the ending. Yeah. Do you personally think, like Jim Carrey, that he should have died? Um, I can definitely see it working. Because I think the last big dramatic line from him could have been the, I just wanted to be your friend, but I screwed it up. Like, that really just says a lot about his character and yeah. where he's been and where he's going. From there, like, you don't really need him to be alive, other than if you really like that helicopter scene. But look, but... He, he gets to quote Rosemary's Baby. Someone has to kill the babysitter. Yeah. Isn't that quote from Rosemary's Baby? I've seen it once at the Astor Theatre, but I can't remember any babysitter. Was it, like, a metaphorical use of the line? I can't remember. 
I think it's a direct quote from one of those movies. Maybe it's not Rosemary. It's in the trivia. Hmm. But it's a it's a quote from one of those movies. I can't remember. Well, I, I know that Rose- I've only seen Rosemary's Baby once. Yeah, I I know that it was the film was mentioned in the trivia as being mm. like one of the inspirations for the darker tone. <laughs> yeah, uh, I will say one of my favorite gags in this movie was when he's just like drowning him, and he's just like, "This reminds me of Waterworld. I saw that movie in the cinema six times, and I don't get it. I thought that movie ruled." <laughs> and it's like Waterworld fucking sucks. Didn't he like misquote the film or something like about never seeing dry land or something? Yeah, probably. I don't know. I'm not a Waterworld expert. But you love Kevin. Oh, Carson. the hand that rocks the cradle. Sorry. Okay. I get them confused. Oh, poor George Siegel. Help. Help. And then this is when we discover that this man is Andy Dick. And there he goes. Now he's Andy Dick. He's instantly turned into him. Like, see how he physically changed his face as well? For a while, I thought it was actually Tom Green. Oh, yeah, right? Mm. Oh, here's, here's the scene with Kyle Gass as couch potato. <laughs> he, he looks like this all the time. Have you seen this? this great video of Jack Black appearing on, I think, Jimmy Kimmel, your favourite. Or maybe mm. Jimmy Fallon, your other favourite. And he's given, like, one of those um, plastic toy saxophones that you give to children. Mm. Like, one of those ones. And he plays it professional. Like, he gives it, like, he probably wails on it. Okay. And it's just like, what the fuck? And people are like... Jack Black didn't have to go that hard at it, but we're appreciating that he did. Or it's like the the jokes about D and D. It's like when you send a bard in to fight, <laughs> you know, like that kind of thing. I uh, I don't know. I feel like I I I appreciate the ending of this movie with him obsessing over someone else, and it's like he moves from person to person. So it's like, what did he learn? What did he learn? Nothing. Uh, maybe or maybe it's a maybe it's meant to be a. <laughs> A, a weird, uh, optimistic thing. Like, maybe this time no, he won't screw it up. <laughs> no, no, he will. He <laughs> yeah, will. Yeah, I know, I know. Uh, but at the same time, I kind of appreciate the idea of him dying at the end as, as well. Jim Carrey wanted that to happen. Jim know. Carrey demands death from every character. Can you imagine if and they gave was... him And they gave him 20 million and they said no. He, he, he just wants to be like Sean Bean. Just every character he plays just fucking dies. Has he ever... Sean Bean ever lived? No, I'm talking about Jim Carrey. Has he ever died that I can think of? A character that he's played that Does the Riddler died. die? I don't no, know. he goes to the mental institution at the end. Two-Face mm. dies. Mm. Uh, he goes to the inter- institution at the end, and it has the great bit in the movie where he's like, um, Mr. Enigma has told... Has, wants to speak to Bruce Wayne because he's figured out who the identity of Batman is. And you're like, oh shit, he knows because he still knows. And then it's like, who's Batman? And he's like, I'm Batman. <laughs> and he's like in his asylum and he's fucking nuts. Um, I don't know. That's actually a good. That's actually maybe Sonic. <laughs> well, Robotnik. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. But then if they but can... if they want a sequel, are they not? Yeah, because are there any other villains in Sonic? Like I know in Mario, there's other somewhat villains, but is there any other villains in Sonic? As far as I'm is aware, is Shadow Sonic evil? Like the, the the. As far as I'm aware, every single Sonic game that I've played or know about, Robotnik is at least a villain in them, even if there's something else like a big creature that's gone amok. I honestly don't know if he's died in anything that I've seen. I, I didn't see Kick-Ass 2. If he died in that, let us know. Yeah. Um, Honestly, I don't know. Hmm. Uh, did he die in Yes Man? No, he didn't. Did he die in a series of unfortunate events? 
I think he lives in that. Right? I think he said that he wanted to do a sequel to that, but it didn't do well, so he must have lived. I think he gets arrested at the the wedding thing. He doesn't die in Bruce Almighty. The no. Grinch, he lives. I, I don't we know. Don't, well, we don't know his status in Evan oh, Almighty. Oh, technically he dies in The Man on the Moon when he plays Andy Kaufman. He dies in that. But then at mm. the end, they kind of play it like he's alive still because that's all of Andy Kaufman's kind of... Is he... Like Andy Kaufman, that comedian, you know, weirdo. Yeah. Did he actually die? Like, he's actually dead, but people are like, knowing him, that's a joke. I've heard good things about that. Is that a good film? Yeah, it's got Danny DeVito in it. Hmm. It's weird because Danny DeVito plays the manager, but Danny DeVito would have been a real-life person in the true story because Andy Kaufman was one of the main characters in Taxi, which Danny DeVito was in Hmm. as a main character in Taxi. You know what I'm saying? And they got all the other people from Taxi to play themselves. Mm. But Danny DeVito is just not in it because he is playing Andy Kaufman's manager in... Do you see where it's all going crazy now? Yeah, yeah. It's hurting the brain. Yeah. If I listen to this one day in the future, I'll I'll probably get it. <laughs> it that's more than Inception could I think, be. I think I'm still up to Gooby in my listening. Gooby! Which is the second... Uh, Episode we recorded in this studio, yeah. Well, Bartek, the film has ended. I was waiting for a post-credits stinger for mm. some reason. I was waiting for, like, a stinger at the end, like a comedic stinger, yeah. where it's like, uh, Matthew I Broderick th- goes home, and the karaoke set's still there, and everyone's singing, and he's just like, oh, boy. Or maybe maybe he'll just do the Ferris Bueller thing, and he's like, oh, I wasn't expecting that from this character. Yeah, no, no, yeah, What yeah, are you yeah, doing? Yeah. Go home. What are you doing? Go home. <laughs> the movie's over now. And it's his second greatest performance. Yeah, so Bartek, I want to hear your review and rating for this magnificent film, The Cable Guy. I was delighted to revisit it, and I actually had a very good time chatting with you about it. I I do wish our guest could have been here, but... Don't worry, God's punishing him right now. Oh, well, I was hoping to get him on in the next few weeks, but, you know, if he survives divine divine smiting... Then we'll, he is we'll not get him on. smote by the time we no. get him on. And I, he, he's not religious, so he wouldn't be smitten by the thing. <sighs> um, that's a good recycle from last week. Uh, this movie, I think it's very good, and I think a lot of people need to give it another chance if they've seen it before and maybe don't remember it that well or just remember negative things about it. Um, yeah, and they're, in the credits right now, they're showing the songs. You'll see that the song he sung, the last line, is performed by Jim Carrey. Well, that's good. One of them is performed by Expanding Man. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but go on, Buzz. It's, it's a turned-on fellow. I I enjoyed this film. I think that the darker aspect uh, or the darker type of character being played by Jim Carrey is a very good thing, and I definitely would have loved to have seen... Yeah, there it is. Um... I want to see that happen a bit more. I, yeah. I feel like we've said that recently. Like, it, oh, it was in the Brady Bunch movie, like oh, yeah. they, they, where they did like the more satirical type of you know adaptation kind of thing. Take risks, I'd say. Do things that you wouldn't expect people to want. I think that you just you need to jump out of comfort zones. I know we're talking about like you know. 47 million dollar films and you know you have to play it safe to an extent because you need to make a profit but some of the greatest things out there are the things that take risks and even me repeating this over and over again it's it's, i don't think it's that crazy no like yeah he's still playing a manic character it's just taking a more villainous twists if anything it's probably too sane too sedate you need to make great things and you know just Mm, what? Ooh, mm, and yeah. that's your rating <laughs> <laughs> and my rating is 
It's a good film. Great. My review. Love this movie. It's a very strange beast. And this is one of the few that we've covered in our over 150 episodes, 150 movies, in which I I understand why this is unappreciated. Like, I, I'm not here to fight you over this like I usually am, because I do understand... I personally see it in a different view, in the more positive view. I think this movie is strange. I think it's better to have a movie that doesn't that tries and fails and at least is weird about it than a generic, bland movie that doesn't try at all and doesn't push anything at all and doesn't doesn't do anything. I love it, honestly. You know, watching it again, it's reinvigorated my love for Jim Carrey that I've had over the years and and uh I agree. And Ben Stiller as well in his work. Uh if I had to give this movie a rating, which I do, I'd have to give it a ha out of everything's meaningless. <laughs> I think I don't know if we heard if the mic's picked up, but my fiance just coughed and sneezed in the background. Like too. the second you were done giving your rating, yeah. Thanks, honey. So, Bartek, what did the internet have to say? How did you know I got some comments? Well... Other than that, I think I mentioned it earlier. Did you? I feel like maybe it was I, foreshadowing. Maybe I didn't, but whatever. I've got... This is a big twist. I've got comments from YouTube and a single IMDb review. Ryan needs to take a... Oh, he, oh spit take in the cup. <laughs> in the cup. I, I'm shocked. <laughs> the f- I didn't want to spit it all over my precious floor. Oh, I thought you were going to take a drink, so the spit was a, you know, a surprise. It was a risk that was taken. Like Liam Neeson and taken. <laughs> it wasn't a $47 million risk, though. It's a thraken that's taken three. <laughs> the first comment I've gathered is very simple. So underrated, funnier than the hangover, lol. Hangover? Yes, did I say it weird? Hangover. Yeah. You just said it with the emphasis on the g at the end, like hangover. And I'm like, hangover, right? Yeah. Well, that's that's the word. I thought they, they, they put it with two Gs and you're being like Bartek where you emphasize their spelling mistakes. So I was like, yeah, they're, they're in the hangover movie. And I'm like, no, you mean hangover? And then it's like, no, no just hangover. All the words are spelled correctly. People, I, I people guess, listening, you know, you, I know, guess you I, know I'm right on this. I guess I fucked up. Well, well, okay, but th- this is the last time. Because if you do it again, naughty things are going to happen to you. The next one is not to... Oops, I fucked up again. That's it. Naughty things about to happen. <laughs> Drink my spit cup. <laughs> That's clearly a bottle. You fucking liar. He's lying to you right now, listening people. And we're not ones for lies. This is a truth podcast. Yes. Play the X Files theme. However, I'd like to point out. I'd like to point out that I lied without saying a single word. That's that's a good kind of lie. <laughs> lie with actions, not words, people. Well, technically, since this is a podcast, that's what Ted a, Bundy would have done. It was a sound effect. But, Ted know. Bundy would have lied with actions, not words. I you mean, words he, too, but definitely he, actions. You know that he's very hot. Apparently. Mm, I I would. Would you? Yeah. You would. Yeah. You'd get on that. Yeah. You'd get murdered by him? No, I, I have wood. Remember Raging Erection? Oh, of course, of course. I thought you meant timber. Okay. Anyway, I wasn't joking about the first word of the next comment being not, because it is, not only is this a dark comedy, but personally, I can see elements of psychological thriller in this film. Mm. Mm. I mean, considering 
psychological thriller is a thriller that is driven by the main character's unstable emotions, it matches perfectly because Jim Carrey's character, the cable guy, in brackets, whose real name is never actually revealed, <gasps> not even in the credits, has Imagine been... if they did do it in the credits. <laughs> yeah, that would have been weird. His name is Jim Thompson. What was the... What was that name in um, the dog film? Uh, Love on a Leash? Oh. Flang or something? Alvin Flang. Alvin Flang. <laughs> um, has been lonely his whole life, and the whole movie is pretty much driven by that very emotion. Also, I consider it a thriller because his threats and actions get worse and worse and worse until a near-fatal climax. Just in my opinion, I think this is, though not absolutely great to me, possibly one of Jim Carrey's most underrated films. Agreed. The next comment- Now imagine if I said, wrong. <laughs> it is his other Christmas. Wrong. Wrong copy-paste. Wrong copy-paste. <laughs> this next comment is a very short one, but it is the type of comment that we want people to say to make or to, to at least realize I'm waiting for it. It's not really a joke to it. It's, it's I'm, just I'm, simply, I'm, I'm poised. I'm on the edge of your seat. I need to rewatch this since I absolutely hated it as a kid. That's a fair comment. Yes. It, it's, it's that's fair. Optimistic, that's fair. optimistic, never, negativity, negativity that becomes positive. Go down here, negative. What would what the all these words you just screwed up today, Bartek? But that was a firm but what fair comment. What are you comment. talking about? What are you talking about, Gordy? Next comment is even shorter than that. Ah, uh, attachment issues. <laughs> very, very like the film or them. I don't know, but they feel. Uh, That's what my psychologist tells the me. Ah, uh, dot 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 suggests nostalgia to them, maybe. Or ah. Uh, Attachment issues. Oh, attachment issues. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. Attachment issues again. Or maybe they're peeing and they're just saying ah, attachment issues. Ah, my attachment issues. <laughs> but what's the next one you got? My penis is still attached. I hear, that, hear that, ladies? This one, <laughs> I know you said we were getting off of it, but the comments are bringing it back. I see the Sonic movie coming out. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought we were getting off of it, but we're back on. You can probably tell this comment's like a week old. I see the Sonic movie coming out as the sequel. The Cable Guy's obsession with technology led him to become Dr. Robotnik. We did comment in and the Matthew restaurant Broderick, scene. And what, is Matthew Broderick Sonic? <laughs> what? Like, Maybe can you imagine Matthew Broderick <laughs> Sonic the Hedgehog? Like, you know what? You know what? Today, <laughs> nobody was doing Ferris Bueller, but today, you know what it could be? Like, I gotta go fast. You know, you know how with Evan Almighty, it was like a different character from the original films. Now the main character, yeah, yeah. that could be like that for the Sonic film. Different main character other than Matthew Broderick is now a you know, oh Jack Black. Hmm. Well, I was talking about Jim Carrey. Oh, Jim, I know. I know yeah. he's like a main character in well, this. Well, in the he's... comment just before, the person titled him as the main oh, character. That's a good point. So yes. they meant titular character. Yeah, titular. but not main character. Main character mm. is Matthew Broderick. Yes. He's a point of view character. But what's your next comment? Or is that it? And you no, have no. a review. What? One more. One more. Hit us in the loins. And this one has a response. <gasps> is it me responding? I hope so. No. Uh, and this comment's all in quotes, by the way. For Stephen Colfax, the price of cable just went up. Now he's got a friend he can't control. A friend who will not be ignored. Jim Carrey. Matthew Broderick. The cable guy. So it's probably a quote from the, from the trailer. It, yeah. And the response is, 
from the same person who made that comment. Oh, they're responding to themselves. Great. And it's the exact same comment, but entirely backwards. <laughs> Should I try to read it? No, no. <laughs> okay. No. I'll try to read it. Oh, fair Give enough. it a puff of The very top two lines of the screen right now. It's what I read before, but backwards. Oh, fuck me. <laughs> oh my god so the first three words is the cable guy spelt backwards <laughs> oh yes i'm also okay okay yug elbak it kibudukabu weed mim yakuk midge oh this one's easy derognik ib ton lib Ob? Different if. Ah. <laughs> space? Question. No. Space, and then you get a full stop, so it's a new sentence. Litognuk. <laughs> Tanak. A. Dinif. Etog. Sifr. One. Poo. Tenu. Teshun. Elbak. Fo. Ekrip. Et. X for luck. Nivts. Rough. There you go. Now someone put that in the reverse and you'll get exactly what that was forwards. Yeah, just like with a break between every word. But Well, well, you could, you could cut in between the breaks. That's true. Or you can me me having trouble reading, like, you know. The Sonic Hedgehog movie. <laughs> yeah, now I know how you feel when I speak Polish. Ah, uh, but I, I'm not known for being able to speak backwards. Yeah. So you should be known, but you are known for speaking Polish, so that's why. Mm, yes. Can't say vagina though. Ask well, him it's because I don't know what it is. I could probably say it, but I just need to know it. IMDb review. <gasps> this better have the Larry the Cable Guy connection that you foreshadowed at the beginning. Oh no no no! The, the connection was me. Was was of me, like you know, because his name is Larry the Cable. Oh, guy I and... thought you said the internet also thought this. Oh, I think it was a trivia point oh, that okay. I was talking about. Okay, yeah. okay. Yes. Ho- hopefully, the IMDb review still clarifies this issue. <laughs> yeah, the last line is. By the way, Larry the Cable Guy has <laughs> nothing to do with this. <laughs> the title of this review is "The Undisputed God of All Movies," <laughs> so you can tell it's positive. From the sixteenth of how many stars? <laughs> You can probably guess. One. It is from the 16th of August, 2001. From August? Yeah, that was the number. What are you, fucking the cable guy now? That wasn't... Read it as the cable guy. From the 16th of August, Okay, okay, you don't need to do that. <laughs> I realised that was a terrible mistake. It wasn't even a Boston mistake. Uh, it is from the 16th of August, 2001. Okay, Christoph Waltz. <laughs> so it was before 9-11. Oh. And it is 10 out of 10. Oh. I remember when I typed that up, though, uh, I accidentally did put 1 out of 10. But, you know, I just had that at a 0. Ah, oh, you naughty boy. Yes, I've read too many negative reviews. But this one clearly isn't. Without a shadow of a doubt, this is my favourite movie of all time. Yes. Honestly, I've seen it time and time again, over and over, and yet I still love it. <laughs> I'm not sick of it at all. One time, I recited the entire movie word for word on a long car trip. I love this movie. Very strong opening paragraph. That was just a paragraph, people. Yeah. The opener. 
The Cable Guy is brilliant, and unlike most other movies, every event and detail is relevant to the movie. It doesn't throw in useless junk just to waste time. From what it appears, people hate this film only because Carrie doesn't use his dumb and dumber humour. Oh yeah, dumb and dumber, he's unlikable in that too. Yeah. He's like an asshole in that movie. Actually, Remember what he does to the bird? Oh, that one I'm not as familiar with as the, the other ones. Hold on, was Don't you hear the most annoying sound in the world? Yeah. When I, when earlier I said that his first two films were um, Since Ace Ventura and The Mask. Was it The Mask or Dumb and Dumber? I don't know. Mm. I'm not a carry expert. Mm. I can phone someone up who is. Yes. Beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. Hello, Matthew Broderick. <laughs> Are you an expert? <laughs> I'm sad and alone. How do you think JTT feels? You better phone him up. Boop, boop, boop. Yo, man, it's me, JTT. I'm too busy on the Lion King set right now. No, he's doing Manchester by the Sea Part 2. No, no, he's, he's, he hasn't done his voice answering machine since 1990. <laughs> <laughs> he hasn't updated it. Because JTT is timeless. <laughs> Keep going with your magnificent review. That is French for review. Yes. Is it a crime to portray a different character for once? Kerry has been playing the same goofy character over and over on TV and movies, and he takes a change in The Cable Guy, portraying a lonely cable installer, and does it ever so well. To truly enjoy this film requires intelligence. Yeah. There are more user reviews praising this movie than bashing it. And just look at them. The ones bashing it look like they were written by little kids. And I... I think he misspelled guarantee, but... What a little but kid. I, but I like him, so I'll say it correctly. I guarantee that they only enjoy movies where the comedy is simple and easy to understand. Look at the reviews giving praise to this movie. They are professional and neat, apparently written by intelligent people. Yeah. This movie focuses more on an excellent plot and story rather than goofy, silly comedy like many of Carrie's other films. Mm. If you pay attention to the other details in the movie rather than how Jim Carrey is acting, you will understand the greatness. Medieval times, the basketball game... I think I said Medea for some reason. (laughs) You'll understand the greatness of Medea. (laughs) Medea goes to medieval times, the basketball <laughs> game, the bathroom beating, the stalking, the karaoke, and even the occasional updates on the uh, Sam Sweet trial kept this movie very entertaining, and truly this is a masterpiece. It was brilliant how they ex- executed the ending, just an, just an example of how every bit in the, the movie is actually relevant to the story, and in brackets... In this case, the Sam Sweet trial. Oh. Truly a masterpiece. Beautiful. You want to hear something funny? Well, mm-hmm. eggs on my face. Yeah. For a good portion of that review, my brain had drifted off and was thinking we'll talk about Larry the Cable Guy for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the Cable Guy, the movie. Larry Cable Guy's manager was right. It is confusing. I will say, though, that intelligent person didn't capitalise the T's in the, so 
it kind of seemed like he was talking about something called Cable Guy. Mm, the Cable Guy? Larry the Cable Guy? Well, thank you, Bartek, for gathering all of that. Listening people, you've been fantastic, amazing, wonderful, as always. If you want to contact us, we have the social media of Facebook and Twitter, uh, Spit and Polish Presents, and we have our email, yes. Spit and Polished at gmail.com. Yep, so that's spin polish with an ED at the end. Uh, you can easily contact us via that. Give us a five-star rating and review on whatever podcast platforming sites allow that. Yep, if you're on YouTube, give us a like or a dislike. Yeah, either one apparently is the valid option there. Or a, subscri- uh, a, sub- sub- a subscription. Yeah, we're at, we hit 900. Yeah, we're very strange. popular on yeah. the YouTubes. Well, no, the YouTube comment I read said we're not. So. Oh, but well, that means we're not. But that, that was sad. Mm. I guess uh, be kind to each other, people. Or don't. <laughs>